Your move, creep. Wish me luck, Freezer. You both Son, your ego is writing checks your body can't cash. It's the only thing I know how to do. It's a good looking boy. I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. That's night for! Welcome to Earth. You crossed the line. You know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Retrograde Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about older movies. We talk about how they were made, how they were received, and whether or not they hold up. I am Austin. And I'm George. Oh, man, I'm excited for this week's episode. I am excited because I have had a reintroduction to this movie. And... I I have a lot of thoughts about it. <laughs> I have look, I have a lot of thoughts about a lot of the movies we talk about, but this mm-hmm. one in particular because I feel like I've just grown to appreciate it in my new wisdom. The wisdom that I got when I turned 30. <laughs> I'm a man now, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. I I'm very excited to talk about this movie because I do have a lot of thoughts and I've grown to appreciate it a lot more. And there's some history with this movie. Austin, what movie are we going to be talking about this week? This week, we will be talking about everybody's favorite vampire, werewolf, love triangle story. We're going to be talking about Twilight. The adaptation from the YA romance novel from... Stephanie Meyer. Stephanie Meyer. Uh, this is the film starring Kristen Stewart, Robert Pattinson, Billy Burke, and Peter Fascinelli. Directed by Catherine Hardwick. Hey, don't don't forget he, my sexy my sexy wolf friend. What's his name? Oh, uh, he he wasn't in like the top builds. Uh, Taylor Lautner. Taylor Lautner. Yeah, he wasn't top build, but he was in a movie. Put some respect on his name. Our Anna Kendrick is in it too. Yes, yeah, she is. This movie is really interesting. Um, okay, so what are your first? What was your first introduction to Twilight? Um, I feel like I remember seeing the book in high school. Mm-hmm. The with like the the hands and the apple. I'm like, oh, this very popular book. And then um, I guess it was it was like more meant for girls. And I think as young men you're kind of taught to like hate things that are made for girls for some reason mm-hmm. you know misogyny i guess um so i didn't really have very much interest in it but i do like vampire stuff when in our horror genre you ranked vampires pretty high up yes like i will i will forgive things for not being very good if they have vampires in them you know what i mean you love blade I know you. Oh, talked- dude, not Blade. Blade legit. Blade's great. <laughs> you, you've spoken to me about some of like your your film ideas, and you and they've seemed very vampire related. Yeah, I I like the idea of like these these immortal uh, creatures who like have they have uh, everything, and they they're very emotional and they're very mysterious. And they wear black and they're sexy and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Uh, Underworld. Oh, ooh, Kate Beckinsale. I remember when it came out, I wanted to see it, but I, it was one of those movies that was like R-rated, so I, I couldn't watch it Underworld? in the theaters. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
And I, for some reason, I just never watched it until like much later in my life. I'm like, all right, this is this is kind of cool. That's how I felt about Blade. Because Blade starts mm. off with the with the club the scene blood where rave. it starts raining blood. That freaked yeah. me out as a kid. Like I was like, <laughs> this movie's not for me. Yeah. Uh, but Twilight was I I never got to see it. I never read the book, obviously. You've never seen the movie? I've never seen the movie. This is your first time. It'll be my first time. Oh, interesting. Okay. I all I know is that there is he calls her spider monkey at some point, <laughs> the vampire. Yeah. And uh, there's a scene where they play baseball and it's set to Muse's supermassive black hole. Yes. So I'm kind of excited to see the context of him calling her spider monkey. Is is it something that's just like really corny and cheesy? It can't, it can't not be that, right? It, it, there's no like deeper context to it. It's just like a weird, silly thing to say. Mm-hmm. And I do want to see this vampire baseball scene. In, in the context of this movie. Yeah. I I won't spoil anything, but don't get your hopes up on the spider monkey thing on there being an explanation. Maybe it'll be even funnier if, if I watch it in the movie. Yeah. Well, at least in the movie, there was no context for, I mean, maybe in the books, cause these books are, you know, they're, they're chunky books. They're not like, and obviously movies are going to take a lot out of their source material. Like, mm-hmm. especially if it's a book. So maybe in the, maybe in the book, there's like, Oh no, see, there's a scene where they're talking about spider monkeys and just and, and so he decides to make an inside joke. I don't know. I've only seen the movie. So just <laughs> <laughs> I think if you uh, approach this movie in a different way, you might be able to enjoy it a lot more instead of just like eye roll and groan at everything. That's what I don't want to happen. I don't want to just eye roll and groan at everything. I want to like see if I can understand its appeal and like have a good time watching it. Interesting. And for your first time, I'm really curious to see where you're going to land because you love vampires. You're curious about this. I feel like you're more open minded than a lot. A lot of people are like when I was like, hey, let's watch Twilight. You were like, OK, you're more open minded when it comes to movies. Like, just what, like, all right, let's just watch it and see what it is. So I'm really curious because this movie is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> because, so so let me explain my own background with it. I never read the books. I, I was like you. I heard about it really a lot more in high school. The book came out in 2005, uh, but I, I really began, I got exposed to it back in high school and a lot, and it blew up. And then they made this movie and I can't remember if I saw the movie in theaters or if I saw it on home release, but I I did not like it. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was corny. I thought it was kind of cringy. And, and look, you have to understand, I was like 13, 14 at the time. So that's when I, that's, that's when I'm like, really like, that's when boys are starting to get all their testosterone in. It's testosterone in, right? Yeah, it's. It's a uh, man. I substitute in in schools, and those like boys, thirteen, fifteen, worst, the worst. Yes, uh, no, a hundred percent. I just I think about what I was going through at that time as well, and also the media that I was consuming. Because two thousand, this movie came out in two thousand eight. Two thousand eight was a banger of a year. Like this year slapped. You had mm-hmm. Iron. You had Iron Man. Well, don't get. We'll, oh, we'll, no. we'll get into it, but. So in terms of the media that was coming in towards me, 
that I was consuming, like what I wanted. Twilight was totally not what I liked or even wanted. Yes, so that's I why believe I was- in the previous episode you called 2008 the year of uh, men feeling validated. Yes, in the, yes in the that's <laughs> that was during our Speed Racer episode. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and I look and I stand by that. Like that was I watched it in the time. I took it in, and that was my honest reaction to it. I just wasn't crazy about it. Uh, I didn't hate the movie. I don't think I ever hated this movie. I do hate the sequel, New Moon. Cannot stand that Mm. movie, but that's a conversation for another time. But I was not a fan of the movie, but I didn't hate on it. Because, you know, even even back in 2008, I was saying, you know what? It's not for me. So why am I going to bitch and complain? That's like my mom bitching and complaining about me rewatching Batman. It's like, if you don't get it, it's not for you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, shut up, mom. Uh, she's trying to get to your inner Scorsese. Like, why are you watching all this cape shit? Like, you need yeah. to be watching cinema. <laughs> <laughs> well, she was just like, what are you doing rewatching this movie? Like, why are you rewatching Jack, uh, Jack Nicholson as the joke? He's like, shut up, mom. You just don't get it. God. <laughs> but... But so, and and even I understood, like, oh, look, it's not for me, whatever. Mm. Now, I want to talk about the last time I watched this movie. Because I watched it, watched it last year. I went to Vegas to visit some friends, stayed at their house. We went to a Doja Cat concert, mm-hmm. right? Very interesting experience, by the way. Like, the <laughs> estrogen in that room was wild. Mm. But honestly, it was really cool. Like it was, it was a super fun experience, and I'm explaining, and, and I, that, I guess that movie just put me in a certain headspace, or the, not the movie, the the concert put me in a certain headspace, and my sister had just recently binged all the Twilight movies, and she was talking to me about it. It's like, oh my god, like these movies are so entertaining, they're so much fun. She was going on and on and on. I'm like, really, like. And I guess there's just something about it because I'm on this little trip, this little vacation, this Vegas vacation. My friends are like sitting on the dining room table. They're like playing card games. And I see that Twilight is on Amazon Prime. And I'm like, yeah, fuck, let's just watch it. Let me let me just watch it. Let me put it. You know, I'll probably be bored in 20, 30 minutes, whatever. And dude, I was loving it. <laughs> I got so into Twilight. I was like, I am thoroughly enjoying this. And not even in an ironic way. Like, I I got pulled in. And my friends are like, hey, George, like, come on, man. Go come play with us. I'm like, nah, I'm finishing this movie. And and I just I just kept drinking too. I just so I was getting progressively more drunk. But I was really digging it. And I think I found I found so much to appreciate in the movie. Right. Like, don't get look, don't get me wrong. I'm not like in love with this movie, like some of the movies, other movies that came out in 2008. But I appreciated the fuck out of it. And there was a lot that the movie did. That I was like, that's a great decision. And I think the the director and writer, Catherine Hardwick and Melissa Rosenberg were on to something. And what pissed me off was this is Catherine's only twilight movie that she directed they they didn't bring her back to direct the the any of the other ones and i read an article about kind of what that what that was like what it was like for her why the studio went with other people and i'm like 
yo, I can say that the reason the other movies were not that good were because of the people they brought in to direct the guys. Because I feel <laughs> like they just didn't understand the foundation that what that Catherine built for them. And they missed the mark. Oh, wow. Yeah, because just there's so much about this movie that I'm like, it's it's corny. And some people could even say cringy on certain things. But she gets the source material like she's she's playing it accordingly. And there's a lot mm-hmm. to enjoy and have fun. And there's like some actual like craftsmanship in the movie that I'm like, I really appreciate that. I, I'm glad you went the extra mile to do this or I'm glad like she just she knew what was up. And I'm kind of disappointed because they never brought her back. And I'm like, I really wish she would have come back and kind of finished what she kind of started or that the people who took over did a better job of understanding what they were trying to, what, what she was doing. You know, it's kind of like, um, I mean, it's not one for one, but kind of how Chris Columbus laid the foundation for Harry Potter. Right. I think that's what Catherine Hardwick did. Like she laid a solid foundation. In my opinion, the problem comes with the follow-up directors, just not, understanding it whereas with harry potter you had directors come in and it's like oh they understand and they're building on that foundation and they that never really happened with twilight well maybe it would have been different if uh alfonso Cuarón directed new moon or something (laughs) that would have been the shit but but no and the fall off for me was huge because right after i watched twilight i got a good high off of twilight I'm like, ooh, Twilight's great. I love it. I'm digging it. It's fun. It's cool. Great. Let me see New Moon again. Because I hated it when it came out in theaters. I hated that movie. Mm. And I'm rewatching it now as a grown-ass man. And I'm like, oh, no, this movie sucks. <laughs> I was okay. not wrong. And I still dislike it. And I and I stopped halfway. I'm like, I'm not finishing it. Okay. Interesting. Let's... Go on a trip to 2008 when this movie came out. This was, oh man, this was a while ago. How many years? Let's see, 16 years? No, 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 no. It's going to be... It's 16 years. Oh, it is. It is 16 years, yeah. (laughs) It's 16 years. Oh, damn. That does not feel like that long ago. It does not. Man, we're old, dude. We're old. Well, that's the thing. We technically are old, but it doesn't feel like we've aged. No. Uh, Okay. So, 2008, we have done two movies from 2008. Can you guess what they are? Okay, Speed Speed Racer is one of them for sure. Yes. What was the other one? The other one was The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Or The Good, The Bad, The Weird. Oh. The Korean Western. Which we both loved. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Great movies in 2008. Such a good year. Mm-hmm. The Speed Racer, my favorite movies yes. of all time. Absolutely. Uh, and then a couple other movies that are of very notable. Uh, number one. The Dark Knight. Yes. Number one was The Dark Knight. The Batman movie with Heath Ledger's Joker. You got um, Aaron Eckhart's Harvey Dent. Vote for Harvey. Believe in... I remember the viral camp ad campaign the viral marketing no i don't remember that it was a uh alternate reality game or something arg where like you would find clues about 
Harvey Dent and the Joker and all this stuff. It was kind of interesting because you're kind of looking for the next clue, but it's just it's all like a a game to advertise the, the mm, movie. Yeah, not a lot of things do that anymore. No, 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 not a lot. Too much. It requires too much uh, investment from the the consumer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I just remember because I saw the trailer, and I don't remember them mentioning Harvey Dent, but I did see a poster, and it was Batman, the Joker, and and Aaron Eckhart. And he had the badge saying vote for Harvey and half of his face is covered. I'm like, oh, yo, are they bringing in Two-Face? <laughs> I saw that and oh, man, Dark Knight, one of the best movie theater experiences of my life. Like just such a great movie. I mm-hmm. just I fucking I love that movie. Love that movie. Number two. What we thought would be the last Indiana Jones movie, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Don't hate it as much. I feel like uh, I should give this movie a chance. Because I I only hear bad things about the, the last Indiana Jones movie. It's fine. And and they have a lot of people on twi- film Twitter, very interesting bunch, who are like, actually, Indiana Jones 4 wasn't that bad. And actually, Temple of Doom is the best Indiana Jones movie. And I'm like, mm, I think you've gone too far, but I'm, I'll, give, I'll give this one a chance. Yeah, people hated that movie when it came out. And I'm like... It's fine. Like, is it the best one? No, but it's a fine movie. It's a summer blockbuster. Like, relax. And everybody's like, yeah, but they brought aliens in. I'm like, dude, Nazis melted in the first one. A dude pulls a dude's <laughs> heart out of his chest. In yeah, the, in the third one, you literally have a, like, a, they're, they're talking about God and the, the Holy Grail. And you're drawing the line with aliens? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Number three, another movie I've never seen, Kung Fu Panda. The first one? The first one, number three at the Worldwide Box Office. Holy shit. Number four, Hancock, the Will Smith superhero movie. Yeah, I like that one. Which I did see. I did see this one. I did like it, too. You you didn't like it, right? I I did like it. Oh, you, you did? Yeah. Oh, I figured this was that. I figured it would have been a no go for you. No, I did like the movie. And I think I liked the twist, and I liked because I think this year there were a lot of superhero movies. Like it was kind of like the beginning mm-hmm. or the beginning of the end, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you have like the Dark Knight, you have Iron Man, you have all these other su- like conventional superheroes, mm-hmm. you know. And then you have this guy who's just like who has superpowers, but he's just like a regular guy and people don't like him. And he's saving the day wrong. So I I feel like it was different from other movies. And at the time I was like, oh, I like this. If I watch it again, will I still like it. I don't know. Am I inclined to rewatch it? Not particularly, (laughs) but maybe, maybe. Uh, Number five, Mamma Mia. Here I go again. My, my. I haven't seen this movie, but I love ABBA. Like ABBA's like my go-to band for when I'm feeling sad. And that always makes me feel better. But I've never seen this movie. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Yeah, I've I've never seen it either, but I, I like ABBA a lot. Number six, Madagascar, Escape to Africa. And two is the number two. Mm. I'm assuming this is a sequel. Yeah. I've seen the first Madagascar movie, but it did not leave a very strong impression on me. The king in this movie, the I like the lemur move king. It, move it. I yeah, like the move and I remember getting annoyed with him very quickly. <laughs> yeah, he's. I think 
him and his little sidekick. I don't know what he is. The little, the little round one, the round lemur. They're just so mm. cute. Ah, uh, no, not for me. <laughs> uh, number seven at the worldwide box office was Quantum of Solace, the second Daniel Craig James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. I like the first one more. Oh, Casino Royale is better, but I enjoyed Quantum of Solace. I really liked it. Number eight, Iron Man, with uh, Robert Downey Jr. That is the first movie in the mcu that's insane to think that a marvel movie is like number eight like like yeah it's like now isn't it well it's kind of it's we've come full circle right like when the mcu mm-hmm. started it was at number eight now the marvel movies aren't even on the top 10 i think no they they are oh no, the guardians sorry guardians yeah. and if this is the worldwide box office. Mm-hmm. There's only a one million dollar difference between number eight Iron Man and number nine Twilight. One million dollars. There's one million dollar difference. Iron Man at the worldwide box office made five eighty five, and Twilight made five eighty four. Wow, it's funny man. when people are like, "Women don't go to movie theaters." Ah, they, they just they're not going there for Iron Man, but they're going there for Twilight. They're going there for Taylor Swift. And, um, ABBA. Oh, yeah, duh, yeah. Number 10 is Wally, the Pixar movie with the robots in the future. Oh, okay. 11 is Chronicles of Narnia. You also have the Sex and the City movie. You have Wanted, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Speed Racer, obviously. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. Horton Hears a Who, The Gran Torino, and The Incredible Hulk movie. The one with uh, Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Yeah. Yeah, and you still had like a lot of bangers too. Like you had the Coen Brothers with Burn After Reed. You've got David we'll Fincher's Curious Case of Benjamin Button. Uh, you've got uh, Synecdoche, New York by Charlie Kaufman. His follow- One of his follow-ups to Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Like, holy shit, man. 2008 was a great fucking year. Mm-hmm. You also have Street Kings, the movie that uh, Keanu Reeves was doing instead of Speed Racer. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> there is, a, I think, I think that was I, I forgot. Teeth came out that year. Oh, have you is heard? that the one where like she has the teeth? Yeah, in her vagina. Uh huh. That one. I've, I don't know if I've seen it all the way through, but interesting it, movie. It was just, especially at that age. Because someone was like, hey, man, there's a horror movie. The girl's got teeth in her vagina. You want to go see it? I was like, yeah, man, let's go. You'll be fucking stupid, kid. And I watched I mean, the movie. It's not really like, I don't think it's like a horror movie, is it? It's a, so, I think if you're a guy, it is. <laughs> well, all the people that she that she does that to are like rapists. Yes, that's the thing. That's the interesting thing about teeth. The, the way... I remember Teeth being promoted was it was a horror movie about this woman killing men through sexual encounters. You watch the movie, it is like it is like all these awful guys that it there, there's like there's a there's a there's a a sexual assault scene, right? Mm. And it, it's not it's it's not what I thought as a kid. And it definitely, I think it was one of those movies where it's like, this is what I was promoted. This is what I got. And it was like the furthest fucking thing from each other. It was like ahead of its time, dude. Mm. 
I, I forgot that it came out in 2008 too. Yeah, a lot of a lot of really in very diverse box office. It's a healthy box office. That's how it needs to be. You've got your animated, you've got your comedies, you've got your superheroes, you've got your uh your YA novels. Like that's all we could ask for. Just a healthy box office. So when it's like and honestly compared to to, to like a few years ago, like yeah, it's diverse, but now it's just like, oh, guys, how many Marvel movies do we need? <laughs> Jesus. But I'm very excited to talk about Twilight because I think I've come around Me on too. it. I think I appreciate it a lot more. And yeah, man. Okay. Well, if you would like to join us on our journey into the vampire infested Pacific Northwest, you can watch Twilight on Hulu with a subscription, but you can also watch it for free on Roku. And there's one other place you can watch it, but you might need an account or something. You can always rent it on uh, Google or Amazon or YouTube. But also, we may or may not have a guest who loves this movie. Uh, we used to work with her. Her name is Elle. She posts a lot of like funny Instagram reels and stuff. And I remember one time she was posting a bunch of Twilight things. So I'm like, oh... She must maybe she's a fan of this movie, and when we cover this movie, we can invite her. So hopefully she can be here. If not, you won't hear this part of the episode. <laughs> um, and that's that's all for right now. We will see you in one minute with Twilight. About three things, I was absolutely positive. First. Edward was a vampire. A second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how dominant that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Hello, we are back from watching 2008's Twilight, directed by Catherine Hardwick. Hardwick. It is the first time I've ever seen this movie. And George, you were not wrong. I found this movie very, very entertaining. Okay, I was I was kind of wondering. <laughs> <'cause>... <laughs> Because it definitely it has some interesting elements to it, but I'm like, ultimately, I found it really enjoyable, and I was like, I'm curious to see what Austin is gonna think. So you you found it generally enjoyable? Yes, I was I was very entertained. I I feel like I was more engaged with this movie than I was with Home Alone, which is not something that I expected. Really? Uh, yeah. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Film Twitter might come after you. I, it's okay. They come after everybody for everything. Yes, they have some very shitty opinions. <laughs> um, but we are joined by a Twilight fan. She she told me that this was her favorite thing. So I'm glad that we could have Elle Parker. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming on. We're really excited to talk Twilight with you, especially with someone who's like a fan fan, you know? 
Oh, I am a fan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. Any opportunity to talk about this movie, I have so much to say. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Um, How did you come about Twilight? Were you a fan of the book or did you get into it from the movies? Oh, yeah, I read the books. Um, It was a very formative time for me. So it came out when I was 13, um, the movie. So, you know, I was fully in middle school, um, deep in the awkward phase. Um, Then I discovered Twilight and I didn't even know that media could be like this because I think what Twilight did is it really captured the young female brain of how when you have a crush on a guy, it is all consuming and you don't care (laughs) that he's dangerous. In fact, you like him even more because of that. And I had so many pictures of him on my binder and I did get made fun of for it, but I didn't care. Awesome. So, so the movie came out and then you read the book or you read the book and we're like waiting for the movie to come out. Um, well, I first saw the picture of Robert Pattinson as Edward Cullen um, in a magazine, and I knew people were reading the book. And then I saw that photo, and I was like, okay, I have to see what I this have is to about. know. <laughs> yeah, so I kind of already had him in mind when I read it, which I actually think is why I love the movie so much, too, that I didn't have a prior vision of how he looked in my head. It was always him mm-hmm. from the beginning. Um and I think that's why I still feel so connected to it. I think I read something about how people who were fans of the book didn't like Robert Pattinson as Edward because they had already had an image of who they thought their Edward was. And they see this guy, I was like, he's not the guy I was thinking of. But I think eventually he mm-hmm. won most of them over, right? How could he not? <laughs> well, it's funny because I feel like this always happens, right? Like yeah. even with obviously with books. Because every person comes with comes up with their own interpretation of what Edward or Bella looks like. But even in movies, you know, how many times have we talked about this? Heath Ledger, right? Getting casted as the Joker and everybody was like, he doesn't, he's not Joker material. <laughs> then he comes out and he's the best one. I just, I think it's so silly when people get upset at casting. It's like, just give him a chance. Yeah, they even got mad at him again for Batman. Uh, for did. Robert Pattinson. They, oh, <laughs> and man, he I, ate. He ate again. (laughs) (laughs) He, oh my God, people were so, the bat, people forget that everybody was hating on that movie when it was announced. You've got, you got that vampire uh, playing Batman. You, he's, he's driving a muscle car as a Batmobile. Like it was ruthless. So it's, it's interesting that there is something hypnotic about Robert Pattinson because this has happened twice in his career with Twilight and Batman. And he mm-hmm. has won people over. He won the book fans of Twilight and he's won comic book fans for Batman. And I'm like, that tells you a lot about his charisma and his appeal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, since you are two gentlemen, um, the movie is geared towards women. And I feel like oftentimes when media is geared towards women, um, at least in my experience growing up with it, boys will tear it apart you know yes um, absolutely <laughs> because i guess like girl things are lame to guys unfortunately yes. but um so did you have any of that thought 
going into it or were you just fully open or were you thinking this is just going to be some girl movie i'm not going to like it or what was your what was your thought going in uh when i was younger i avoided it because it was for girls because i was i was dumb right. um but as i've aged <laughs> i've gotten a little bit smarter so i i was able to approach it i was thinking like okay so this was made for girls so i'm gonna get like uh like made for like young girls i think so i'm gonna i'm gonna mm-hmm. go into it thinking about that and trying to see why it, it meant so much to them. And I feel like that made for a better viewing experience. And I feel like I understand the appeal. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I really like campy stuff. Like, I feel like when I was younger, you know, you might ask young Austin, do you like musicals? And he would say no. But I, I've i come to learn that I love musicals. Like, if something is a musical, that is like a plus for me. Because I love how campy and, and fun they are. And vampires, too. Like, vampires are awesome. I will watch bad vampire movies just because there's vampires in them. Uh, mm-hmm. So this had vampires and camp. So I was I was thoroughly entertained by this movie. Totally. Yeah, I think as a, as a young guy, I think we talked about it a lot in Legally Blonde, where as a mm-hmm. young boy, I was very much like that. Like, ew, girl things. <laughs> like, I hate girl stuff. Girl stuff sucks. Twilight was the one weird thing that I didn't outright hate. I did I, I did see it somehow, but I didn't outright hate it. And I think my I think the reason is in 2008, I was eating well. Like Batman, Tropic Thunder, Iron Man, like all the movies were for <laughs> me, for my demographic. So you see Twilight right. and it's like, well, who cares? Like it's not I'm eating well, like everything's geared towards me. So I don't why do I care that? Why should I care that one movie is not? And I think I did have that mentality. And I think definitely in college, it opened up more. I think kind of like what you said, Austin, like you kind of learn what camp is. You learn to appreciate it. You, 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 your, your taste just broadens and you're like, oh, you know what? This thing that I thought was kind of lame growing up isn't as lame. And I think it's happened multiple times on this podcast with Legally Blonde. I thought that was like a chick movie when I was growing up. Granted, I was like, eight nine or ten uh it happened with musicals all the musicals we've seen here i've enjoyed thoroughly and now with twilight and i rewatched it a few months ago i rewatched it for this episode but i rewatched it months ago and i was like genuinely hooked and that's when i really got to appreciate so much more of the movie especially from a technical aspect where i was like this isn't just another lame romance book or anything there is actual effort and thought put into this and i really appreciate that and you can tell that especially Catherine hardwick really really did the best she could and i think she nailed it i want to live in a universe so badly where she directed all five movies a hundred percent i think she imagine it honestly it would have it would have worked out so much better. And I can't help but wonder, even if she only directed like one or two of them, I can't help but think what would have happened if women directors had kind of done the rest. Because, yes. like you said, the movie, especially for you, it came at the right time and it got into your psyche. And I think there's just some certain things that women will just get, right? Yes. Like, I'm, I'm sure there are guys that are capable of directing Twilight. The guys that did it, I don't think understood it. I think it was a game. Right, um, right. It was it was too like commercial. It felt like just more of an action film where she really gathered the emotion. 
And also, have you guys seen 13? No. I have not. But she did that one with, with her, right? With Chris uh, Stewart? No, no, no. She did Rosalie. Ro- yeah, Rosalie was... Oh. Catherine Hardwick and That's Rosalie had like a common they had like a common work relationship so they worked on like multiple stuff together but yes. i've never seen 13 but in like oh, looking so this up, i'm like 13 sounded awesome she directed lords of dogtown like she definitely understood like youth culture she understands what a young girl thinks and she just hasn't mm. lost that and it's so complex like i think oftentimes back to how my brain worked when I was younger and it was so different. I, um, the best way I can describe it is I went to Disneyland maybe a year ago and I was like, why am I having such a different time here than when I was younger? Because my friend's mom worked for Disney and we'd go a lot growing up. Um, and I was like, why am I having such a different time? And then I realized my teen girl hormones were raging through my body that I wasn't focusing on Disneyland. I was just looking for cute guys the whole time. And <laughs> I feel like she captures how, how it feels to be a young girl. And it's, you change, but she understands how it felt. And I think going back to Twilight, it always reminds me of this period in my life and my youth. I think it brings me back to my youth every time I watch it. And I love awesome. what you said. There's a key word that you said that I think summarizes my thoughts about this movie and the later ones. Commercial. Mm-hmm. The other ones felt way yeah. more commercial. And granted, yes, Twilight was a big franchise, right? Like it, the, the, book fran- the book franchise was huge. But there was something kind of... I can't find the right words to describe it, but independent. It felt emo. Dark. It felt... Yeah, and the first movie captures that really well. And like in both how everybody acts, the way they talk, the way it's shot, the where the location it was shot, the camera angles, like it just feels angsty in the right way. Like earnestly, sincerely angst. And the and I yes. think she, and she's committed to that. Whereas you watch you watch the other ones. That same night that I was watching Twilight, I put on New Moon cuz I definitely remember not liking New Moon. Yeah, least favorite. I, I watched it right after Twilight, and the vibe is completely Perfect. off. Mm-hmm. the The color palette is gone. The way it's shot, just there's like very few nuggets of gold in there. That I'm like, that's Catherine Hardwick. That's like that's her style, but it's only in the movie for like two percent. And I'm just like, I can't watch this. Like, it just doesn't feel the same. And it's because it's commercial. They want money. I can't blame them, but yeah, this, this right. mo- these movies made a ton of money, a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. And this one made, this one was, uh, I think eighth at the worldwide box office. Like it only made $1 million less than Iron Man. If you can believe that. That's insane. Whoa. That's let's get into the story so that the people listening, you know, if they haven't seen it, if it's been a while, since they've seen it and they're like why are these people so high on this movie uh we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna summarize what happens in the movie to give you a better context for the conversation we're gonna have and usually when there's a guest especially if they're so passionate about the movie it's best to let them summarize it because they're gonna know the best parts and they're gonna they give a better storytelling experience i think so (laughs) l if you would could you summarize this uh, oh my god, my dog! Can you 
summarize <laughs> <laughs> summarize this movie for us it would be an honor all right so picture this we meet bella swan beautiful but she doesn't know it teenager she's 17 <laughs> and her mom and her mom's boyfriend live in arizona but he's a baseball player so he has to go train so she's going to live with her dad in forks washington a very rainy town very different from arizona he's the local sheriff and then so she's just moving in you know she's kind of caving to herself she meets jacob black and his dad um they were childhood friends but she doesn't really remember him they give her this beautiful but old orange truck it's not beautiful it's a mess but she loves it um she's very clumsy too she falls um and then we're at school and everyone is going nuts over her because she's just just the new kid and she doesn't like this attention because she's tortured and then so she makes some friends everything's fine and then we meet the Collins and they walk in and they're all beautiful and slow motion and she's like um who are they obviously they're all gorgeous and her friends are like don't even bother they're the Collins they're all dating each other but they're all adopted it's super weird and her friend Jessica is like don't even try also Mike Newton is one of the guys and he's in love with her and Erica's in love with her too so all the guys are basically in love with her and then in walks Edward Cullen um and he's gorgeous and she's like oh my god but she's totally hiding it um and then he's like staring her down she's like okay weird all right I need to wrap this up I'm going I'm taking way too long okay so then um, it's okay they're in class um <laughs> explaining every detail <laughs> and then they're in class and he's like and then he goes away for a while comes back his eyes are a different color and then he's like sorry I was rude um she's like okay weird and then um basically we find out he's a vampire you guys um (laughs) um she like almost dies well we don't find that i'm just trying to wrap it up she almost dies he saves her things happen she almost gets like raped by these guys sorry dropped the r word in there i should have been some warning um uh he saves her and she's like what and then she like touches his hand it's all cold she does some research, and then we find out he's a vampire. She tells him, he's like, yeah, I'm a vampire. Um, how long have you been? 17. Very dramatic. He's like, a while. Like, okay. <laughs> um, and then um, they play baseball, because, like, I guess vampires like baseball. Um, and, it's American pastime. Uh, yeah, it's the American pastime, so who doesn't <laughs> like it? And so they're totally playing, um, and then these other vampires show up and drama ensues um and then one of the guys is like oh you brought a snack his name is james and he totally tries to kill her and they're like stop and they're like you have to leave now and then um basically james starts chasing her down and they're like we have to go and edward's all tortured and he's like oh my god i'm so sorry i did this to you and um and then james tricks her and is like hey i've got your mom and she's like what (laughs) and so she like runs away from the cullens to like go save her mom even though it's like babe he's a vampire like what are you gonna do mistake um and then he totally tricked her and her mom is not there and um he tries to kill her edward shows up they have a little fight he holds his neck um he's like you're faster than the others but not stronger gagged him um and then he and then the other clones show up and then they kill james then she wakes up oh and then james bites her and edward has to suck the venom out um but then 
um, she lives and he's all, and then she's in the hospital and her mom's there and he's like, I can't believe I did this to you. And then they go to prom and then she asks him to turn her into a vampire and he says, I'll think about it. And then it ends with James's girlfriend watching them at prom and then she leaves, but she's smiling. So we know there's going to be a sequel and that's it. (laughs) Excellent, excellent. That was that was it, such like, an enthusiastic summary. Thank you so much, yes. Al. Because even you describing it, I'm like, shit, I kind of want to rewatch this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. When a person who likes it tells a story, they're going to talk about the things that are important to them. And mm-hmm. we, I feel like if you're listening to it, it becomes important to you, too. Because, like, why are they stopping the de- to, to talk about this detail? But, like, <laughs> it's the, the moment where they meet the Collins is like a... There's there's oh all, all these high school movies have scenes where it's like, all right, here's this click. The Collins. They're um, Dr. and Mrs. Collins foster kids. They moved down here from Alaska like a few years ago. They kind of keep to themselves. Yeah, because they're all together, like together, together. Um, Dr. Collins like this foster dad slash matchmaker. <laughs> Maybe he'll adopt me. Who's he? <laughs> That's Edward Cohen. He's totally gorgeous, obviously. But apparently nobody here is good enough for him. <laughs> like I care, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. That is a great scene. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, like... Dangerous Behavior or something with James Marsden and Katie Holmes. Mm. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's like Dangerous Behavior something. It it reminded me of this movie because uh, it's like these these alt kids going to high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Craft. Yeah, I was going to say The Craft, dude. Don't forget that I've one. I've never seen it. The Craft. There's one more. Oh, The Faculty, I think, with uh, a young Josh Hartnett. Elijah Wood. Wood. The Faculty I haven't seen, but I have heard of it. Elle, you should watch The Craft. My friend just told me I should watch The Craft. That's a a solid one. I think The Craft, I like the first half of it. But then the second half is like, wait, what's happening in this movie? Whereas Twilight, I feel like this is like the best one of all those, like, all kids at, at a high school. It nails this scene. Yeah, it's moody. Every middle schooler, high schooler is so moody too, and this movie like totally captured it. I think that's I think it that's so true. Is there's a there's a clear tone, there's a clear mood, and they're leaning into it. And you could say, oh, it's a little cheesy and stuff, and it's like, yeah, but isn't just being a kid cheesy and moody? Like you really have to <laughs> just go back in time, and it's like, you know, like even seeing how like Edward acts. Don't get me wrong. Edward's kind of a douchebag at times, but it's kind of true to that experience. Now, Edward should know better, especially since he's like a few hundred years old. But but he's 17. But he's 17. It's it's it is a weird like, OK, he's 17, but like he's older than her. Yeah. But like, yeah. I think it's some of those things that you have to like. Uh, it's a fantasy thing, you know, like I'll, I'll, it's something you have to like go to accept, no, no, it, I think, to go along with the rest a, of the movie. It's not a, it's not like a plot hole or anything. It's like, yes, he should be like, well, technically vampires don't exist, but, but, but <laughs> accepting the fantasy of this world. What? <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
<laughs> but no, but I think that's ultimately the this movie's best strength. It leans into it. And look, I think if you don't dig that, if you're not willing to to suspend your disbelief and just kind of accept that kids will be kids and just like they'll be moody, they'll be confused, they'll be like madly like in love, quote unquote, slash horny for each other, then oh, one hundred stop for you then. Yeah. What I like about it is everything is so life or death. And when I think of how I thought about things, it, that was everything. Everything was the end of the world. Everything was dramatic. And if I had a crush on someone, <laughs> like, why? Like, my life was ruined. <laughs> no, but you're right, though. Uh, I mean, even something as little as a crush, you would blow it up into something bigger. And it's like, bro, like, little George, relax. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But you couldn't tell that to me. It's like, nah, man, I feel really strongly about her. I might love her. It's like, okay, relax, dude. And even <laughs> you, other- <laughs> you met her today. <laughs> yeah, like, you just met her today. And this movie is just kind of that. It's like, it's just a reflection of those feelings and that that time period in your life. And I did kind of get nostalgic. I kind of missed that. And I'm like, oh, I, I feel old as shit now. I just... I feel dead inside a little bit, but I don't know. This movie taps into that really well. And I do think that's one of the strongest things about the movie. Now, again, I, if you're not willing to suspend your disbelief, or if you find all of this silly and stupid, the movie's not for you. And you know, that's fine. But I, I think watching it these past two times, I really understood like, this is the appeal, right? Um, and then with the later sequels, it's just building on that foundation and, you know, getting crazier with the villains and stuff. But I think there's something kind of timeless about Twilight where, you know, you could just watch this one movie and get everything you need. That 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 uh that nostalgia for that time period, the 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 craziness for love. It's it's perfectly packaged in this movie. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes. Uh, one one thing that was very different about this movie from like other high school alt kids is that I I feel like this movie, like aside from the the guys who are gonna like sexually assault her and the the villain vampires, everybody's really nice to Bella, and, mm. and like they even laugh at her jokes that aren't that funny because they're like into her. I'm Jessica, by the way. Hey, you're from Arizona, right? Yeah. Aren't people from Arizona supposed to be, like, really tan? Yeah. Maybe that's why they kicked me out. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Guess we'll just run another editorial on teen drinking. You know, you can always go for eating disorders, speedo padding on the swim team. Actually, that's a good one. Right. what I thought. It. I feel like if you're reading this book, or if you're Bella's your like point of view character, you can kind of like put yourself in her position, and you feel special. Like you're the weird kid that doesn't belong, but everybody's really nice to you. Everybody's interested in you. And there's mm-hmm. one guy, the hottest guy in school, who's very interested in you. Uh, I. I feel like it's. It's almost like empowering i guess or it makes you feel good yeah i think did you you get that experience i think you hit the nail on the head um i think this is totally my insert your name here but 
<laughs> brown hair, brown eyes, as do I. And she's also a Virgo. And I got to tell you guys, this is really embarrassing. But my first boyfriend ever, people would tell him he looked like Robert Pattinson. <laughs> they like really good. Edward Cullen vibe. And I was like, hey. and um, yeah, I think so many of the guys I've dated and been interested this, this is very, I'm humbly telling you guys this right now. Um, have been heavily influenced by Twilight, and I can't escape Twilight. <laughs> hey, look, you know what? Uh, that's it, great. No, no, it it totally makes sense, right? We, like, again, like you said, this came at a certain point in your life. It really stuck with yeah. you. You became a lifelong fan, and I think I think taking that along with what Austin said that this is a this is kind of like a uh, like an it felt empowering, like. Absolutely. You know what I relate this to in a weird... Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a strange connection, but stay with me. Twilight is for girls what Roadhouse is to guys. <laughs> Roadhouse. Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> Th- think about it. Patrick Swayze. Oh my god. Handsome man. Beautiful man. He's fit. He can fight anyone. He gets hurt all the time and he could just... And he stitches himself up all the women's love all the women love him but he's only got eyes for that he's got a dark side that he's trying to yeah, hide yes he's got that dark side <laughs> that he's trying Every to man hide is and so tortured he he's tortured <laughs> but he always does the right thing and he only kills when it's necessary okay obviously bella's not like that but it's the it's the fantasy <laughs> it's the fantasy that yes. men will buy into and look and we accept it with guys if you're a guy and you love roadhouse you've accepted the fantasy and you're in it. I love the shit out of Roadhouse. We got to do Roadhouse at some point. That movie's awesome. great. But it's yes. it's a fantasy. Pain don't hurt. It's a fantasy that guys buy into. Now, do we know that we can roundhouse people and solve all of our problems? Absolutely not. But it's the fantasy. The exact <laughs> same thing with women and Bella, to a certain extent. Where it's like, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody loves, loves me. me. You know, I, uh, I'm like smart enough. I'm cool enough. You know, everybody loves me for who I am. I don't have to pretend to be someone else. And the hottest guy in school is digging me. Like, yeah, it's fantasy 101. And he's like rich, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he's rich. And, and you know what? Like, in terms of fantasy fulfillment, what's wrong with that? If we can have it. Women can, little girls can have it when they're reading Twilight. So why am yeah. I going to shit on them? For yes, that? exactly. I fully agree. It's it's no, a it perfect was... escape. And it's the kind of, even if you take out the vampire aspect, it's pure fantasy. Like even more than like Lord of the Rings. Like a girl who, <laughs> you know, she's beautiful. But she doesn't know it. And everyone tells her and she's so shy and doesn't want attention. But everyone's just giving it to her. Like, come on. That's fantasy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that was that was uh, like an interesting thing we were watching a movie is how much everybody loves Bella. Like loves her like romantically, but also just like, oh my God, I remember you when you were this young and like you were this right. Yeah. Like, oh Belle with the berry cobbler or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Favorite? Your favorite. I got you your favorite. <laughs> I'm like, holy shit, how 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 did you know that? Like that was a long Why time ago. Why are you ago. so obsessed with me? <laughs> Take it over how grown up you are. And so gorgeous. Hey, Bella. Yeah, you remember me? I played Santa one year. <laughs> yeah, Waylon, she hasn't had a Christmas here since she was four. Let the girl eat her garden burger, Waylon. Yeah. As soon as you're done, I will bring you your favorite. Fairy toddler, remember? Your dad still has it. 
every Thursday. Thank you. You're great. <laughs> and like even her her mom's boyfriend or husband, I, I can't remember exactly. Even he's like, yeah, he's worried sick for you. Like, obviously, he's out working. Like, he, he wasn't able to make it. But he's really he's really worried for you. He hopes everything's okay. Typically, the the new parent would be the the asshole. Like, oh, I hate Phil or whatever his name is. He's, yeah. he's a jerk. He's mean. Not in this universe. Right. Her life is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she's still miserable. <laughs> but there there is. But and that's the thing. You could kind of interpret that as like, well, you know, she's kind of an asshole. Everybody loves her. She's cool. She's got family that are supportive that, you know, and she's still upset. And it's like, that's the point. Like, that's how you feel as a kid, right? Even if you're blessed and privileged to have a great life, things are just angsty because they just are. You can't put your finger on it. You just feel Mm -hmm. this way. And that's what I love about it. It's like, that's how we all felt, you know, unless... You had your life together when you were 17, 16, which, come on, yeah. who did, oh did had their life put together? Nobody. No Nobody. One. Oh, my God. No, I was so tortured back then. One time I had a crush on a guy, and then he liked someone else, and so I just laid in the dark, and I played Someone Like You by Adele. <laughs> like, why did I do that? I will say, that kind of... That reminds me of the scene in New Moon. I mean, obviously, we're talking about Twilight, but it reminds me of this one scene from New Moon that I really, really love where Edward has left and you've got the camera rotating in front of Belle as the seasons are changing and she's still like seating in her, like she's still seated in her chair. But as the camera rotates around, you can see the seasons change as time is passing by. The, the months are passing by as she's like missing Edward. She wants to be with him. And I was like, I know that feeling 100% of just like feeling miserable, not wanting to do anything. You're either laying in bed or you're just staring out the window. Everybody's enjoying life. Life is moving on and you feel stuck. How many times did I feel that growing up? Right. And I feel like that one scene in New Moon is like all over Twilight. (laughs) I think it I think it just talks I yeah. think it just talks to Catherine's strength of just how well she put together this movie. Mm-hmm. I really like the the visual style of this movie. I feel like like other movies I I think I kind of tune out of them if there's nothing happening visually, but there's always something happening visually in this mm-hmm. movie. Like when she's doing the research about like, all right, who is this? Who are these? The 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 tribe, I think uh, Jacob's tribe. She's like looking up all the stories and stuff. The way the camera's moving around. And it, I think it like continues moving in the next scene, like the same pattern. Uh, when James, the evil vampires in the ballet house, there's this part where he like looks, looks at the mirrors and mm. it, <laughs> It's really, really funny visually, but it's it it's interesting. Uh, the the musical cues too, like when important stuff happens, like when the the Cullens come in, the music that plays when they they start walking in slow motion, yeah. uh, and that scene when he stops the truck, the song, or he stops the van, the song that plays when he stops the van. I'm like, that is like the perfect song for this moment. I and, know. Uh, Dude, I love that you yeah. said that because I straight up shazam <laughs> that song when I was watching it in, when I was rewatching the movie in Vegas. I was like, 
what the fuck is this? And I was I shazammed it and I put it on my playlist because I was like, I need to re-listen to this because this song is awesome. Dude, the soundtrack, soundtrack. to this movie. The soundtrack, slapped. the soundtrack. Yes. And because that's also the Moody Kids are listening to My Chemical Romance, all this stuff. It's not like the top mm-hmm. 40 songs. It's like, no, the music captured the vibe. You've you've got yeah. Muse, the Muse song that plays during the baseball uh, field. That is mm-hmm. perfect for it. And the best way to end, they chose the best song to end the film with, 15 Step by Radiohead. Number one, of course you're going to have Radiohead in a film like this. Like, <laughs> obviously. And it just fits so perfectly. And even the end credits are stylized very well. Black and white. You've got Radiohead playing. You've got uh, footage that wasn't used in the movie. So you're already kind of engaged with like, oh, what kind of, you know, it just feels like it feels bigger, right? Like they filmed so much more stuff that wasn't in the film that you're finally get to see in the end credits. I'm like, yeah. that little effort mm-hmm. goes a long way. And you pick the right song. You formatted the credits properly. I'm like, this is this is how you end a fucking movie. Yes, so good. Yeah. And dude, the when you talked about the visuals, man, this movie is so visually rich. Yeah, number one, the color palette is incredible. I love the mm-hmm. commitment to blue. Um, I know, which the later films got rid of. Why? I know because, why because I... they're not because <laughs> blue is not commercial. That's why it's. They were like, so annoying. This is a way bigger franchise than we anticipated. We have to make it look like a big franchise. And I'm like, bro, you're going backwards. What did Harry Potter do when it became bigger? They went visually more striking. The the last know, it got darker. Yeah, the last two films are mm-hmm. almost black and white because they're just gray. Yeah. Almost. The sixth film is the sixth film is like almost it's got like a sepia tone kind of yellow look to it. And Twilight's like, we're going to go blue. And it it feels great because you combine the blue tone with the fact that with like the, the puddles of water, the rain, the locations, the greenery, it makes you feel like, wow, I'm in this city. I'm in this yes. world. It makes it so, so appealing to watch. And it's like, I feel. I feel like I'm there, you know, even the step, mm-hmm. even the sound of like mm-hmm. people walking on puddles. It just, it's a, it's sonically and visually rich where I'm like, this is not boring. Oh yeah. It makes me want to go to Washington and be there on a rainy day. It makes me want that kind of lifestyle. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It was, it was really nice watching this movie when the weather kind of like matches it. Yeah. yeah. It felt, uh, I felt like I was more engaged in it, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. and. I, I think she now obviously I didn't read the books, but I did read about some of the changes that they made. Um, for mm-hmm. example, in the book, when Edward tells Bella that he's a vampire or they have that discussion, I think apparently it takes place in a car in Edward's car. In the movie, they changed that because it wasn't as visually rich. Right. So they're like, OK, mm-hmm. how can we change it up? And that's where you get the scene where Bella and Edward head up into head up, you know, away from school head up to the forest and that's where they they talk about it right but he's like how how long have you been 17 and they shoot it in the forest and they've got canted angles wide sweeping shots oh that's so good so cool them, rotating over them and i'm like this is this is what movies are for you're supposed to add all these elements and it makes it feel a lot bigger 
compared to, yeah, let's film it in the car. Let's have this conversation that's yeah. really important play out in the car. And I'm like, that's that's why Catherine was the right director for this. She knew yeah. when to change yes. it, when not to change it. He's also able to like visually demonstrate all of his abilities. Like, what does he oh say? Like, oh, everything about me invites you. As in. if you could outrun me. As if you could outrun me. You could fight me off, and then he's in the tree. Rowing trees and sh- oh, it's so good. You uh, very you get entertaining. Get a sense of just what he is and what he says. Like everything designed, oh, oh, everything about me is designed to attract you, and I could I could easily destroy you. And you're like. You're seeing it visually, and you're like, "Holy shit!" Like, and she's like, "I don't care." I'm like, "Girl, stand up." Yeah. <laughs> it's it's those kind of decisions, and along with the soundtrack, it just creates something that's like this person knew what this movie, what this book was about, and they're they're uh, they know what's up. Even like rewatching it, I noticed I watched a little bit. I tried to watch it again before today, and I was just just kind of like uh, I had it on, and I was like. kind of organizing my notes that scene when he walks she walks in the biology class the first time i didn't notice that there was like a fan behind her right when the fan is there so to suggest that like okay her aroma her scent is like going towards edward and he's like "Mm, tasty no i can't i can't do this i can't kill her in school that's crazy uh and when she sits down next to him, he like looks at her like he's about to like throw up or, or something or just like lose himself to the vampiric thirst. Mm-hmm. You can see an owl behind him. And it's almost like that shot in uh, Psycho, uh, the the one with the. Oh, Alfred Hitchcock. God damn, I can't remember his name. But in that the Hitchcock movie in Psycho, Norman Bates is filmed in a way to put the uh taxidermy owls behind him to like oh he's a predator get it they do the same shit here really? and that kind of makes me want to rewatch it to see what else what other hints that they give us visually about like what's happening I mean, it looks like an angel and looks like a dark angel a dark angel perfect mm-hmm. they, that's me buffy buffy the uh, angel right oh yeah it's the same thing also so devastating when to be a high school girl and you walk into a room and the hottest guy in the room looks like he wants to throw up when you walk in. <laughs> it's it's so funny. It's so good. Cause like she she even like smells her hair like, oh, did I did I not shower or something? Yeah. Like that's that's so funny. The movie's funny too. It it's so everything. funny. There's, I was I was laughing at so much stuff. The the way he catches the apple, which we can talk more about that later, because I, I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. why they did that. Uh, how they're having a conversation, and she's like, "Did you have contact?" And he's like, "No, it's the fluorescence." And then he just walks away, <laughs> <laughs> like looks down. The dad, Charlie, dude, he cracks me oh, the fuck up, dude. So yeah, good, dude, perfect casting. I'll say this, Charlie. In my opinion, Charlie's my favorite character from the movie. He doesn't look, he doesn't, <laughs> he's a supporting character, obviously. Like, he, you know, he has his time, but man, like, the actor and the character are just, they're so cool. My, what about you? Want to talk about funny? The scene with right before the baseball match where Edward meets Charlie, she's like, Can you be nice? He's like, All right, I'll be nice. And he, like, and he, like, cocks his shotgun back into place. 
I was like, that is so fucking uh, hilarious. I had to rewind it like multiple times just because of how funny. Dude, he has like this Genius. he has like this little smirk when he does it too, because he knows he's being funny. Like he's not actually no, gonna no, no, shoot no. this kid. And he's not gonna like point the gun at him or anything. He's just like doing it to like make a joke with his daughter. And the added joke for us, it's like as if that gun could do anything to him. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> or and even the pepper spray. He's like, you got that pepper spray, right? It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, she's I, just all embarrassed. But Charlie is so great, and I do. I mean, I understand why she did what she said. All the things to him, like obviously, I get it. But you still feel bad for him, right? And like, especially that final line. Oh, dude, I, I like audibly said, "Oh my god!" When she said that thing to to her dad to like get her to get out of the house. Yeah. I know she, she had to do it. I know I'm not that much fun to be around, but I can change that. We can. We can do more stuff together. Like what? Like watch baseball on the flat screen? Eat at the diner every night? Steak and cobbler? Dad, that's you. That's not me. Bella, come on. I just... I just got you back. Yeah, and you know, if I don't get out now, then I'm just gonna be stuck here like Mom. I wanted to see the apology. Yes! That's like one thing that I wish was yeah. in the movie is like, how does she make up with him? Because, man, I feel bad for him. And I'm kind of mad at you, Bella, that you said that to him. Well, she, <laughs> I know you had to, but I'm it. I'm mad at you for that. Wait, I, I'm curious, Al. Do you remember if the apology is in the book? I don't remember. I don't think it is, though. I don't um, remember one. I, I think it just kind of wraps up. And <laughs> I mean, I, I think it would have been funny to see of the apology just because bella and charlie are very similar like they're just people mm -hmm. who don't really converse all that much so an apology between them would have been funny it it does seem more natural that they're the type of people to just like not openly apologize and hug and like embrace each other it's more of like okay we're not arguing anymore one of right. those like unspoken apologies that were like okay that was the thing that happened but um uh... Here's more pepper spray because I noticed you lost your old one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, so, they just talk like everything is fine. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it does feel natural, but I I mean she did that was a big blow. Granted, I understand what she said, but it, it hurt me more because I just loved Charlie and I was like, here's a yeah. dad who's mm -hmm. trying to reconnect with his daughter. He obviously is like the sheriff or the deputy of the of this small town. Like he's responsible for a lot of stuff. His plate of responsibilities is just getting bigger with obviously taking care of Bella, uh, trying to keep some camaraderie with some of his friends, but also like with the growing murders in the city, like town full of vampires. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it's throwing him off. Cause he's like, it's an animal, but there's human footprints. He's like, I, I can't make heads or tails of tails of this. So his responsibilities are growing. There's a lot of stress. And obviously the town is looking to him to like fix this, you know, and to get this final like kick to the nuts from Bella, I was like, oh Ugh. man. Yeah. But you know what? I I love Charlie, and at the end, I was like, he's gonna pull through, man. He, like Charlie finds a way, so that's why he's my MVP for the movie. I I love them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like he's one of the more like realistic, like good dads mm -hmm. in in these kinds yes. of movies because he's like he's trying, but he's not like trying too hard. He's giving her everything she needs with like, he doesn't like, she doesn't like 
do anything to, I guess, deserve, I'm using air quotes, deserve all this stuff, like the car and everything. But he's like, this is my responsibility. Of course, I'm going to do this for you. Oh, you're going to go out with this creepy boy. Like, I'm going to meet him, but I'm going to let you go out with him. I'm not going to like, you know, get in the way of that because I don't want to. I think part of it is he doesn't want to push her away. So he like gives her space, but he doesn't know if he's giving her too much space. He doesn't hover. And that was, and I love that. Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't hover. And I was like, oh, I get exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, Mm. it's very interesting, like what we touched on earlier, that Bella doesn't really have any problems in her life, like, or any reason to escape anything. Where I feel like in a lot of movies like this, there's a troubled home life or something, and then she meets the guy and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, everything's kind of fine, which is interesting. (laughs) It's just you don't get that kind of story very often. No, 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 no. And no. I, I think it works for Twilight. I think, you know, like troubled life, a troubled home life, you've got your Harry Potter ones, right? Where Harry's living under the staircase. And that's always a cool thing, right? It's cool seeing characters in that like lowly position. I want to see them triumph. Yes. You know? Yes. Um, Underdog. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I do think there is something really nice in seeing a character who is so kind of introverted just in their own world and getting a certain admiration which i think in real life those people do go unrecognized or people typically say like oh they're the they're weird oh they're quiet they're strange like we don't talk to bella because she's weird normally i think in real life that's what would happen in this movie it's like Mm. no being like you know being kind of quiet being a little timid a little shy isn't isn't scrutinized it's welcomed I think that's what so many shy kids want is they want someone to see them while they're being yeah. quiet. They're shy. They aren't comfortable enough opening up being the loudest voice in the room, but they, everyone wants mm-hmm. to still be seen. Everyone wants to be heard. And this is a dream scenario for a lot of shy people, I think. And I think that's why it resonates so much as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, there's that, um, that back to that meadow scene where he tells her like, he, I don't know if we talked about this, but Edward can read people's minds, mm-hmm. um, but he can't read Bella's. So that's what makes her like extra special. So he tells her in the meadow, you have to tell me what you're thinking, which yeah. I think is another thing that, you know, speaking from experience, quiet, shy people want someone to say to them. <laughs> totally, <laughs> they, want, yeah. they want someone that they can just word vomit to and have them listen and be like, oh, yes, interesting. Mm hmm. And that's exactly what their relationship is. Even kind of taking it a step further, one of the scenes that I love was Edward isn't, Edward's not totally innocent. Like there's definitely some creeper elements to it, which we will get into. One of the creepiest elements is him watching her sleep. Now I get it. He can't sleep. (laughs) He can't sleep. And he's still, he's so thinking about her and he's fascinated by sleep. So he's watching her. But they're not in a relationship and he's still watching her. It's like, okay, that's kind of creepy, dude. But one of my favorite right, they things... They talked is, once. <laughs> he, he, yeah, and I, he's already watching her. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but one of the cool things that was that was really nice that I think could probably appeal to a certain group of people, maybe shy or maybe people who aren't like sexually uh, knowledgeable, especially in high school, is when he's in her room and they start like kissing, right? And he pulls back because he can't, like, obviously he doesn't know if he could control himself around Bella. Like, that's the, that's the reasoning for it. But the, the solution to that is just him and her just staying up and talking. 
right? And you see them talk for a while. There's like some dissolves to show the passage of time. And I think for a lot of people, especially in high school, if you're kind of nervous about having sex or being intimate with someone, I think that's a nice scene that it's like, it's not just inherently sexual. It's also something on a deeper level where you found someone that you could just talk to for hours. There's an appeal to that. I think obviously we're into each other sexually, but now's not the time. I would rather just stay up and talk. Well, do you guys know about the Mormon undertones? What? Ooh. I know that she's a, the author is a Mormon. Yeah. Right? So Mormonism is running rampant through these books. Really? really? Okay. Mm-hmm. It's, so that's probably where you're getting uh, it. That's why they're like, whoa, 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 let's stop. This is a Mormon <laughs> book. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I just uh, thought it was really cool because it was like, Obviously, you have a lot of movies where you've got a bunch of horny teens that just want to fuck. And I I get that, Mm -hmm. right? And I I don't have a problem with showing that off or it being talked about. If anything, we don't talk about sex enough. But I did like that because this movie is so introverted, you have a main character who's very introverted. You had a different depiction of a relationship in high school that wasn't purely, I want to fuck. It's like, yeah, I do. But also, I'd like to talk, and I'd like to walk, and I'd like to walk around uh, forks in this beautiful landscape with you and learn about you. You know, it's like, that's kind of a cool depiction of a romance in high school. And there's an innocence to it. And the aspect of having someone actually getting to know you and wanting to get to know you apart from sex is kind of every girl's dream. Because we've been sexualized since we were kids. And so to have a guy be like, hey, like, no, I want to take it slow. And she's the one who wants it. Come on. <laughs> Fantasy. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that is true. And, 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 you know, it's not strictly innocent because obviously. There's a bit of danger to it. Yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and there is yeah. like a, there is like a, okay, they do want it. Like Bella wants to fuck. But. Oh, yeah. If she wants to, and I don't think it's, I don't think that's wrong or anything, but the, the, the way they go about it, where it's like, all right, let's just push the brakes on it and let's just talk. And I'm like, I think that's kind of cool. You know, um, I think it just leans into everything we've been talking about. This, this is just an emo kids, introverted, shy kids, like dream fantasy, you know, maybe not just them, but it is a fantasy for a lot of people that they want to be heard. They want to be intimate with someone but maybe not just that Mm -hmm. i did want to talk a little bit about some of the things that haven't aged well if you Mm -hmm. guys want to if we could switch over to that now or if you want to still talk about some of the things you liked no yeah let's switch one of the things obviously you know there's kids and they're gonna do stupid stuff uh just how volatile edward is in the beginning i'm like oh my god bro like (laughs) (laughs) he i get he has so much passion and so much love for her but there are some moments where i'm like damn bro you need to chill like the scene where she's like you push the car and he's like who's gonna believe you i'm like holy (laughs) shit (laughs) and he and he straight up gaslights her now look he tries to to, yeah and there's an asterisk next to that gaslighting because in the in the obviously in the movie in the story he's a vampire and he doesn't want and he wants to kill her (laughs) yes 
And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that secret to come out that vampires exist. So of co- I get it. Obviously, I understand why he would do that. <laughs> but it definitely comes off as kind of like, see, you hit your head. You don't really know what you're talking about. And she's like, no, I'm fine. He's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> and if you did, no one would believe you. You're like, Belly, you're, uh, you hit your head. I think you're confused. I know what I saw. Mm, what exactly was that? You... You stopped the van. You, you pushed it away with your hand. Well, nobody's gonna believe you. So. Holy shit, bro! Like, calm down! <laughs> no, or when she almost falls and he's like, can you watch where you're going? Like, <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's puddles everywhere. And she yeah. slips like multiple times. Even Charlie doesn't like when she's walking down outside of her house and she slips. He's like, "Oh, you gotta watch out!" And he just picks her up. But Edward's like, "God, can't you fucking walk straight?" And it's like, "Bro, she's from Arizona. They get like one day of rain." I hate to say it, negging works. I'm like, mm. <laughs> oh my god, no. uh, <laughs> the love oh my god. No, no oh, but no, no, it no, is no. like he's mean. Well, and I do think Edward does strike the right balance of being me, but also in love. Because, like, and I, it's complicated. Like, you don't, obviously, you don't want someone who's, like, mean, mean to you. But having someone mm-hmm. who's got a little bit of edge is kind of cool. Like, that's the appeal of some yeah. of these big celebrities. It's that edge. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, like, they're dangerous, but they're gentle at the same time. That's uh, the I can fix him. I can fix her. Exactly. Fantasy. They just have to have enough redeeming qualities, but they can't be perfect. Otherwise, it's boring. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And ultimately, I would say Edward, uh, you, know, you know, Edward, Edward has, has a lot, a lot of, of positive, positive qualities. qualities. There's, There's just some things in the movie, movie that, that I'm like, like yo, yo, bro, you, you guys stop. stop. You, can't, you can't. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be, be watching people, people go, go to sleep. sleep. Come, Come on. on. Right, can you imagine? And he, he's been can doing it for a while, too. From before they had their first conversation. She just thought she was dreaming. They hadn't even really she thought, thought she was dreaming. That's right. She says that. She says, oh, that's my first dream of Edward. But like, those weren't really dreams, were they? They were, I guess they were influenced by you seeing him, like when you're half awake. Mm-hmm. But but oh, that was man. so, and then like, he's like, how long have you been watching me sleep? A while now. It's like, oh, goodness. But obviously, like, she loves obviously, it. Like, she's really into him. They have a complicated relationship, so I don't want to blast him so much. But I was like, oh, go, bro, you got to, like, slow down. And then um, <laughs> something that hasn't aged well is this movie is very, um, very of its time. It's very, it leans very heavily into, like, the tone we've been talking about. But there are just certain things that I just can't help but laugh a little bit. Uh in the scene where she's where she's about to get raped, there's the, uh, you know, you got the guys coming in, and then you've got Edward just pull up in his car and, like, brake really aggressively. Dude, he even drives angry. Yeah, he drives angry. Sure. And, and I get, I so get this is an intense scene. <laughs> obviously, something was going to happen to Bella. It's, like, it's terrible, so obviously. And, this, and Edward can destroy these men, and he wants to. But there's one shot in, in that whole confrontation where it's like a stare down between Edward and the guys. 
and it's just a shot of Robert Pattinson just trying to look intimidating. I was like, bro, I am not buying it. I was laughing. I was like, I know. <laughs> He's in a peacoat. <laughs> yeah, in a peacoat. Exactly. I was just like, I know what you're trying to no sell. I'm not buying it. Like, he doesn't, he hasn't quite mastered that, like, intense look. But I and they added a growling funny. sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love this. I love all the, the, like, I'm an animal inside. Like when they stare down with the other vampires. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love that stuff. I wanted to actually now that we're on the baseball scene. I wanted to ask, how do you guys think that scene has aged? Has it aged well or poorly? Yes, yes, I think it's aged well. Like minus some of the like cheap looking like visual effects, I think that scene has aged very well. Yeah, I think it's badass. I still love that scene. The music and the tricks with the bats, mm-hmm. just like the little things you catch in the background. Oh, yeah. Like Jasper doing that thing with the bat and Alice's pointed mm-hmm. toe. It's just, it's a dance. And it's art to me. I think it's beautiful. Oh, it's. I like the way the, the Carlisle, he like, there's that shot of him like, like I'm going to hit out there. The way that that's, that's filmed. Yes. Very, and very cool. Very, very Babe cool. Ruth used to do that, so he's kind of doing like it's a little mm-hmm. nod to Babe no Ruth. Way. I don't know if other baseball players do it, but the way it's shot too, like the canted angles, the use of slow motion, and the music too. Perfect use of slow motion. Oh yeah, great needle drop. I I think a uh, lot of people's introduction I... to that song was because of Twilight. Oh mine, yeah. I like when movies are like, all right, these are these supernatural beings. Let's see what they do for fun. Vampire Baseball, so much better than Quidditch. Dude, I hate Quidditch. Yes. Quidditch is stupid. Vampire Baseball, they, they didn't make that a game, dude. Right. Turn that into a video game. Because I'd it, buy it. They won. <laughs> it takes something we know and just elevates it. Yeah. Well, that's actually a really good point. They, What I like about this movie is that it kind of translates what, what we do, but like how would vampires do it? So like they're obviously they're meat eaters, but they're vegetarians. They're considered vegetarians. It was like, oh, that's kind of a cool thing. The the whole inside joke with the caps, with the graduation caps, the fact that they don't have any beds because they don't sleep. What do they do for fun? They play baseball, but in their own unique way. I was like, I like these kind of spins on our regular lives, but if vampires kind of did it, I was like, this feels very true and honest. The one thing mm-hmm. that I'm confused about is the, the diamond uh, like why they um like why their skin is like diamond or like it glistens in the sunlight i don't totally understand that but eh, i don't really care i'm like well, i'll just go with it maybe they explained it in the books but i'm like eh, that's just a that's a little spin that uh stephanie meyer wanted on her vampires mm-hmm. like they don't burn. maybe it's it's like yeah i i I think it's something that like uh, Bella and Edward have in common. Like they're both beautiful, but they don't realize it. <laughs> so you have Edward like going to the sun, like, look at me. I'm a freak. Yeah. <laughs> but his skin's like all sparkly. He looks like a, he looks glamorous. Right. She's like, you're beautiful. He's like, skin of a killer. <laughs> like, what? Skin of a killer. So dramatic. That's a really good point. I didn't even think about it that way, Austin. I, I like that interpretation. Right. Me either. I like it too. Another thing I liked about the vampire baseball is it the way they set it up. Like, oh, it's thunderstorm. Let's go play baseball. Yeah. 
Uh, so the idea of these like immortal beings like just waiting in the Pacific Northwest for <laughs> for a thunderstorm, and then just all right, let's go grab our grab our stuff. Let's go get our baseball gear. Let's get our baseballs and aluminum bats and then we have to wait till the thunderstorm starts because we hit the bat we hit the ball so hard that it sounds like thunder to everybody mm -hmm. else oh, that's so good dude it that. makes me hate the villains because they show up and that scene stops mm -hmm. i want to see i want to see how edward edward runs the bases and now i never will I know. Also, the, we get to see them be playful, like when Edward and Emmett collide to each other and they just land and they're giggling. <laughs> like, they're just, like, being boys. Oh, that's so good. Love it. Yeah, It makes me want to play elevated baseball like that. It looks so <laughs> fun. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to play baseball, but I did play baseball in Little League, and I was fucking terrible. I never hit the ball. <laughs> so it makes me want to play baseball, but I'm like, I know exactly how it's going to go. I'm way too scared of the ball. Right. Me, so... I want to play vampire baseball. That yeah, where it doesn't yes. hurt. It doesn't hurt you. Yeah, I think you've touched on this, Austin. But I do think one of the things that have not aged well in this movie, and I think a lot of people will agree, are some of the visual effects. Because uh, this movie had a small budget. I mean, small by comparison. Yeah, thirty-seven, thirty-seven yes. million. This movie, like compared to like the what? Dark what else? Harry Potter. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I was thinking of like YA oh, adaptations. Oh, I feel like yeah, hundred percent. How much like is Harry that? Potter? Uh, one hundred and twenty-five million. Oh my fucking god! Yeah, for the first Harry Potter. For the first Harry Potter movie. No. Uh, Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Another one. Oh, probably a lot. Yeah. Probably seventy. Um. Seventy-eight million. So that's like double the budget of of Twilight. Yeah. Yeah. And Twilight's my favorite one. Well, Catherine Hardwick did so well. Oh, it oh it definitely. I think I liked this. I think I like this movie more than the first Harry Potter movie. I might like oh, it more than the 100. first Hunger Games movie. I don't know. I haven't seen that one in a while. Oh, I, I prefer Twilight over the other ones. I still hold Harry Potter very high up, but I think this is second compared to every other like Divergent, Hunger Games. Um, I just I don't think those are going to hold up as well. I feel like Divergent ended it at all. It tried to, to um, just do the formula. And it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Also, I think Twilight just came out at the perfect time because now with social media and phones, you kind of have to add it into movies because it's such a big part of the zeitgeist where Twilight, imagine if they were like texting during it, it would just ruin the vibe. It just the fact that it's so in the moment, I think really mm. adds to it. And it yeah, also I makes us remember a time where we didn't have that. Yes, Absolutely. that's... That's important. That's a good point. It did remind me of all these other movies, but I'm like those other like alt kid teen high school movies. But like all those movies were in the nineties. Um, yeah. Some something. I feel like this one captures that, but like it just has a more distinct visual style, and it's got vampires. Like <laughs> even like Vampire Diaries would be maybe the closest thing that show, but Twilight kind of stands yeah. on its own as far as. Because I think it is just so specific in its tone and vibe. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a vibe movie. Like, you watch Twilight and, like you said, George, you're like, you're there. You feel like you're there. And you don't yeah. really feel like you're watching it. You're in Forks. Yeah. And, forks. and I do I do think that some of the, some of the hate towards this movie is a reaction to that vibe. 
And it's just that you're not, it's not something that you're particularly into, right? It's kind of like, you know, if you're someone who doesn't like superhero movies, superhero movies have a particular vibe, a certain set of rules, certain expectations. And if you just mm-hmm. don't, if you don't like it, it, you're just turned off by it. And I, I do think the negative response has been part of the vibe that it's like, oh, it's too angsty. It's Avenged Sevenfold. It's My Chemical Romance. It's wet. It's blue. I'm just not about it. And it's like, it makes sense because if you're not about it, then you're, th- th- you've lost the appeal of the movie. But for a lot of people, this is, and it works really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I do think one of the things that has, has not held up very well. And I, I, it, you know, I do think it's part of the budget. I, you know, it's just a, a consequence of what happened, but I do think the visual, the visual effects do not hold up as well. Um, the the way they run, the what it looks like when they're sometimes climbing or like that effect that they use, it just I don't think it holds up as well. Now, mm-hmm. I think the compromise because they have a small budget. I feel like they said, okay, we could film this on location. We can make some of this stuff more visually appealing with like how we're moving the camera, how we're doing this, but we have to sacrifice visual effects. And Catherine had to choose. What do I put my money in visual effects or the setting where we're filming the soundtrack, the needle drops. I think she chose the latter and I think it, the movie's better for it. But I do think the visual effects have aged not as bad as like, say like the original RoboCop with like ED 209. But it's it's still a little corny looking where I'm like, I think future kids are gonna like, oh, that looks weird. Like, you know, like where he's his legs are moving and they're like flying through the air. Yeah. Right. I, I do like the the wire stuff that they use to make them run mm-hmm. uh, and to make the, the bad vampires like walk in like they're walking really fast. Yeah. So like cool. they're like gliding. There's like a. a yeah, there's like a, a thing that they're stand like the actors are standing on that's pulling them. So they're moving faster than the walking speed that, that you see them do. Because they're actually walking on this like this uh plexiglass carpet or something. So they're walking on it and they're being pulled forward, so it makes them look like they're walking really fast. I like stuff like that's that. That's a cool effect. Me too. And that's something that I think will last years, years uh past 2008 and i think it looks cool now well, but, um, but it seems, i like the it's a it's an in-camera trick to just make them look a lot more powerful mm-hmm. on top of that you've got the low angle shot of them so they look yeah like giant yes so mm-hmm. they're coming in through the smoke too you've got like yes. that that was a fog machine that was practical oh yeah, yeah. you've got the smoke you've right. got the trees in the background but you've got these vampires that are almost looking like they're towering over them with this angle they're walking at a slow pace, but they're moving so much faster. That's a cool effect. That's a cool in-camera effect that I really, really like. I think once you start getting into like the supernatural elements of like showing Edward flying through the air, I like the wire work, but it does look a little it looks does look a little dated. And it reminds me of the Wuxia filmmaking with like the wire work. And I don't think it holds mm-hmm. up. Now, granted, differing budgets, different ways of making uh movies hardwick did not do big blockbuster filmmaking before this Um, well i i think that they they actually brought in a second unit director andy chang who 
does have a lot of experience filming some of this action stuff. Oh, okay. So I think like all the wire work, I I feel like that was because um, she was she wanted to do things more practically, yes. which I think was the right call. Yeah, yeah, I do. Maybe it's because I like the I like seeing wire work. Like if I see it, I'm like, ooh, they're using wires. I'm interested. Versus using state of the art CGI, which dates mm-hmm. itself just a few years later. Like there's this trend on Twitter where I think the original tweet was, "What was the scene in a movie where you thought, oh my god, they're really doing this?" And you have like all these like cool scenes of like really important moments in the film and then there's this one from deadpool 2 where i don't know if you've seen it like where domino her power is that she's really lucky right so she like kind of parachutes in all this like crazy stuff happens around her cars explode and everything and she like lands perfectly where she needs to be it looks like dog shit (laughs) because they use like it just looks terrible especially now i'm glad that instead of using CGI to do all this impossible stuff, they opted to do practical stuff. Because you, wire work, I, I, I look at that as like a, a special art that makes me happy. Right. And I think our brains can just like pick up on that kind of thing. And I think we allow ourselves to suspend our disbelief. Like when I see these practical effects, like the effects in Twilight don't bother me because I'm so just, I just love the story. And I let go of a lot of things, I think. Um, and if it were CGI, it might take me out of it a little more. So I, I kind of love the campiness to it. It, it feels more special. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I There were some specific that took me out of it. Uh, there's like a scene where he, he jumps between two rocks when he's explaining kind of like his background and stuff. I was like, that seems a little kooky. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right before he says those, <laughs> if you could outrun me. I, when I was watching that too, I was like, okay. Yeah, that one took me out a little bit. But but I, but I honestly, I think you hit it right on the head, L, where it's like, it, you're so consumed by everything and you're so enamored with the story that you forgive it, which I am too. Um, and I'm like, you know what? I think they made the right call. They decided to go practical. They decided to go with filming on location. There, man, there's that one shot uh, that just blew my mind. I don't, I don't know if it was real or not. I can't actually tell where where uh, Belle meets um meets Edward's family like officially, and then he takes her up. He takes her up the tree. You know, it's like better hang on, Spider Monkey. <laughs> love that line. But I love it too. But there's that scene where they go up to the trees, like really high up tree, and there's I think it's a hel- it's a helicopter shot of just the both of yeah. them on top. And you just get the vista of the mountains and the greenery Uh, and the cameras like mm -hmm. pulling back and you see all this. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's real. I don't think it's, I don't think it's Robert Pattinson and, and uh, Bella or um, Kristen Stewart. Right. I think when it, when it starts going far back, I was like, there's no way that's them. There's no way. So I was, I was kind of, I I was being stupid. I was focusing on them instead of like looking at the shot. I didn't even no, think no, no. About, I didn't even think that I was like that's them. <laughs> the only reason I'm asking whether it's them or not it's because that could be a safety issue, but not but not because of yeah. anything, but but that has nothing to do with the movie. That's literally nothing on the movie. That's just like my own mm-hmm. like filmmaking brain where I'm like that can't be legal. Like you can't put the leads <laughs> of your movie on top of a tree and just hope they don't no like or like they're tied up or I was like 
I don't know how they did that shot, but it feels real. And I was like, I yeah. love that. I yeah. appreciate that. Like, good fucking job on that shot. It's a. I think it's a combination of the two because I did see some of the spe- the behind the scenes stuff, um, mm. and they did have them in the tree on the green screen, but they also had a helicopter and put people in that tree to give us that that uh, gorgeous view of the Pacific Northwest. And so you know beautiful. What? I. It's beautiful. I don't care how they made it because at the end of the day, the final shot is incredible, and I I loved it and. It definitely fooled me a little bit because I was like, maybe this is computer VFX or maybe this is practical. I don't know. And that's kind of the best. That's the best thing. The best visual effects are invisible. Um, oh, and I, that that reminds me. There's there's one computer effect that I didn't believe until I watched the, the behind the scenes thing. Mm-hmm. The baseball. Mm-hmm. When they're tossing the baseball around, they're not really tossing a baseball. What? That was added digitally. Really? Yeah, because... They're, they're like, well, these vampires, you know, they're throwing and catching things at, like, inhuman speeds. So they actually replaced the ball with some plastic thing, and then they added the baseball in digitally. That was, I feel like that effect held up very well. <laughs> That's so cool. I didn't realize. I had no fucking clue. Yeah. I, okay, I'm going to retract what I said. I think some... Of the visual effects have not aged well. Yes, some of them are like, all right, why are they like fuzzy? Yes. You know, there's, no, there's have... no need to do that. <laughs> but some of the visual effects have aged very well. Who's got plastic balls? Raise your hand. Not everybody's a perfect pitcher, so to be able to like manipulate the balls later on in post, our special effects supervisor Richard Kidd said, "Let's put a clear plastic Christmas ornament in everybody's hand, then we'll replace it later in post." The balls have to be moving at vampire speed. You've got to be catching them without gloves on. Um, we're going to put them in in CG. Well, to be able to do that is we need to make sure that when you go to catch, you don't end up with a hand like this. It's going to be real hard to catch it right to size. So our first take, you would see people catching, like, plastic balls so that he could track in a CGI ball and replace it. Can we talk a little bit about how this movie impacted fashion? Oh. Go for it. I have no idea. I'm... I'm ignorant of these things. So in 2008, men's hair was all that Justin Bieber bangs down, like whip your head to get it out of your eyes hairstyle. Do you remember? I re- I remember that. Mm-hmm. I tried doing that to my hair. I straightened my hair for a oh, wow. I straightened my hair trying to get that. <laughs> and then this movie comes out and all the boys are shitting on it. And then what do we have? Suddenly every boy has a pompadour hairstyle. Because they can hate on Edward all they want, but that's what the girls want. And they'll start doing what the girls mm. want. And peacoats became huge, if you remember. I think everyone I have was one. wearing Fuck, I got one yes. at that time period too. Yes, everyone was wearing a peacoat in 2010 because of Twilight. It impacted fashion. Oh my fucking god. I remember the day I got it. I got it at JCPenney and my mom was like, Why do you want it? We're in California. I was like I don't know why. I think I just like it. <laughs> oh, you knew why. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, it was around the same time, uh, too. It was like 2008, 2009. Yep. Mm. What no one wants to talk about this. Um, I'm shouting it from the rooftops. Twilight impacted fashion. It changed everything. Mm. And that's actually, number one, I never noticed that. 
but also, I mean, the movie is fashionable. I mean, the 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 Cullens are no, just vampires in general. Like even James uh, and Victor- Victoria. Absolutely. Yeah, the no- the nomads. Oh yeah. Yeah, even they look good. Like Laurent. Uh, E- mm-hmm. Even the main vampire, the the black one, even like he's not wearing a shirt, but Laurent. his jacket. What was his name? He's some French name. Laurent. Huh? Laurent. Laurent. But like even yeah, even like right. they're nomads. They have like a distinct style to them. Like, well, I think the 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 white dude James. I think okay. he steals the jacket from the guy they kill on the boat. Uh, <gasps> oh, oh my god! Because he was shirtless. Yeah, I've mm. never realized that. Oh, I only know that because I watched the behind the scenes. Thing. Oh, <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> that's cool. I didn't notice it that's either. A cool detail though. But oh, like, so then the, maybe the, that's why their outfits are so like randomized. Is they're just taking clothes? From yeah, people they kill. <gasps> looting bodies. Whoa. I think you. <laughs> holy shit, Al! I think you're right. They just keep killing people and taking their clothes. Mm-hmm. Holy! That's shit. why it's all like bohemian. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's, it's very interesting because I mean, okay, let's take that idea, right? That the people that they kill, they kind of take their clothes, they they outfit themselves like that. When regular people wear those clothes, they don't stand out as much. But when the vampires wear it, it looks more stylish. Like it just looks, you know, like James. He's not wearing anything that stands out, but he looks cool when he's wearing it. Um. Mm-hmm. I will say the the Collins look more chic. They look more stylish. Like they definitely created a, yeah. a fashion lookbook for them because they're wearing white. Um, you know, like they when they do wear white, it's kind of all like it matches really good. It, they look like models. They look polished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's such a cool detail. And it looks rich too. Like their clothes look expensive. Where Bella's in like a Henley shirt, you know just very like plain they kind of like made everyone else dress a- more plain and then the cullens have this like yeah. they're dressier like they're in a peacoat they're in a button down all the other boys are in t-shirts um they're in like skirts alice's clothes like fashionable rosalie's clothes rosalie's in heels you know they just elevated their fashion a little more and i think it really aided in the storytelling absolutely mm. and actually it's really interesting you point that out because if you compare like Bella's friend group, right? Like you've got Eric, you've got Jessica, Angela, Mike, Tyler. Like um Eric and Jessica are kind of characters that put a little bit more thought into their clothing. Like there's that scene where they're like buying dresses and Jessica's like, oh, she like she's like, I want my boobs to look good. Like obviously, and even Eric too, like they seem like people that put more thought into their clothing, but even then they don't look as good as the Cullens. That just it separates exactly. the Cullens from everybody else. You could look good, but you're not Cullen good. Damn, <laughs> yes, I, yes. Damn, I never even thought about looking at the clothing for this movie, but it's holy shit. That's such a great point. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's so yeah. The the fashion in this movie, the costumes do a and good Jacob. Job of- Jacob's oh, prom yeah. look, no jacket, undone tie, untucked shirt. Like <laughs> it's that's his vibe. He's just got to go to the forest, you know. Yeah. Also, you know what? We never gave my boy any love, but uh, he, he's not in the movie very he's much, not. right? But I love his setup. Yeah, he 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 comes yeah. in. And is like, yeah, we used to play together. We used to make mud pies together. And she's like, oh yeah. And then she like opens the car door and hits him. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's like, oh man, he's he's the James Marsden of this franchise. He's great. I'm so glad. You know, they wanted to um, cast someone else. You remember at the when they're at La Push and Jacob comes by with mm-hmm. his two friends, mm-hmm. um, the one with the long yeah. hair who doesn't say anything. He was supposed to be Jacob, but he wouldn't cut his hair. Oh wow. He he wouldn't cut his hair, mm. and so they went with Taylor Lautner. I I think it, I think Taylor Lautner did a great job. I I think they set yeah. him up very well for future installments. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's someone that you feel like very comfortable around. Like, like it's it's interesting because you know Jake uh, uh, Edward is so kind of like conflicted. He's kind of edgy. He's a little volatile, and then you've got Jacob, who's like a, a sweet childhood friend who you feel comfortable with. He has a sense of humor that there's that line that he says when they're at the, at the push, he's like, like, what are you doing here? He's like, man, you're in my res. Like you're in my reservation. <laughs> <laughs> right. He's a safe, the safe choice. Yeah. Oh, oh, very much so. He's such and, a great foil. Exactly. The safe choice. Which one do you want? It, well, and I, I love it because you do feel kind of conflicted. And obviously Taylor Lautner is a very attractive man. You have, but he's such a contrast to Edward. Like it just the way they act, the way they carry themselves visually, like two very different looks, but they're both have their, uh, their appeals. And yeah, and he's, he's not ashamed of who he is either. No, no, no. He's right. He's, uh, he's out there in the open telling her that, yeah, people descended from wolves. Take with that what you yeah. will. <laughs> right. She was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and there's, there's that little scene at the end where, him and Edward have like a little stare down and there's so much energy in that <laughs> stare down. You're like, Oh, there's, there's a lot more to this that we just yeah. don't know. And I'm so excited to figure out. The three of them are in the poster for every movie after this. Yeah. Mm, you're right. And like Bella's position is different on, on every movie. Like, all right, I'm with Jacob now because you left Edward. All right, I'm back with Edward. Sorry, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) And I think in Breaking Dawn, she's in the middle. And and you know what? I I keep going back to this point, but I I cannot praise Catherine enough. She got shystered, man. She got shit on real bad by the studio. They did her wrong because, uh, well, there's this one scene that I, I really loved where they're at the push. And Bella and uh, and uh, and Jacob kind of walk on them by themselves, you know, along the along mm-hmm. the coast, along the beach. And I was like, "That this looks beautiful. Like visually, this is beautiful. You've got a great background. You have these two characters that are just walking by themselves. Obviously, Jacob is delivering some sort of like some exposition. But I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. This is how you create interest. This is how you create richness. This is how you create a world. It's like it's stuff like this." Just having two characters walk on the beach. It looks real. It's practical. I'm like, yes, this is just that little. Mm-hmm. She adds this all throughout the movie. And I'm like, all right, Catherine, you knew what you, you knew what you were doing. Good job. It's I love that little mm-hmm. scene. Just uh, it makes me feel like you're there. Yeah. The comedic timing of Jacob, you know, where he's like, you're on my res and they go out and they walk and it's exposition. It's creating some more intrigue. But you've got this beautiful background. It's A plus for me. A plus filmmaking. You did a great job, Catherine. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a good segue to talk about the making of the movie. Okay, let's talk about the making of this movie. 
Um, so I was curious about kind of the differences between the book and the and the movie. And I was curious as to like, all right, how did this like, what was like the first thing that happened to like get the ball rolling on the film series? And I found out in 2004, the unpublished manuscript of Twilight was brought to Paramount Pictures MTV Films. So like before this book was even like a bestseller, a hit, you know, mm-hmm. it was an unpublished, unpublished manuscript that was like, we can turn this into a movie. Uh, and MTV Films was like, hmm, yes, but... This is a bunch of romance. We're not going to get any boys to come see this movie. So they had the screenwriter, Mark Lord, who talks about this on a podcast. Uh, Which podcast was it? I don't have the tab open. But he talks about this on a podcast. Uh, they, They had, first of all, Bella. She was a track star. So oh. she was physically, like, fit, which is not... The, the Bella from the book. She's very different. Yeah. Um, also, the dad that we all love, he gets murdered by vampires. Oh. And Bella, <laughs> Bella tracks down these vampires with night vision goggles and a shotgun and avenges her father's killers. And also Ooh. at some point, <laughs> at some point there is a jet ski chase with the FBI. Oh, come on. What? In the actual <laughs> and uh, M- MTV Films was like, actually, we're not going to make this a movie because werewolf movies don't sell. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, Karen Rosenfeld, who is a former co-president of Paramount, she was still like, I feel like we could make this into a movie. I feel like we could turn Twilight into a film. So she met with different studios. Um, and then she eventually met Eric Feig of Summit Entertainment which would go on to make the film. And I think mm-hmm. the franchise. Yeah. She was, she was like, Hey, can we, maybe we can make this into a movie. Maybe you want to make this into a movie. And he was like, he read the book. And then as soon as Paramount let the rights expire, uh, summit acquired the rights and the novel's author, Stephanie Meyer, uh, she was not a fan of the original script of like her, of Bella on jet skis with a shotgun. She's like, all right, please don't put her on a jet ski. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to do that. Uh, she actually made a list of things that like, don't change this. Cause this is like essential to the, the, the book story. And they're like, all right, we can make that happen. Feig uh, was a fan of the director, Catherine Hardwick. And she also did not like any of the original scripts. Um, so she wanted to make a more authentic a version of the of the novel into a film i can quote her saying she wanted to make a sweetened condensed milk version of the story into a film she would bring on stephanie meyer to like be a part of the production uh if you watch the behind the scenes thing she, stephanie meyer is like all over it and she is even in the film she has a cameo um yes. she's yeah she's at the scene where Bella and Charlie are at the diner. She's there. The screenwriter, Melissa Rosenberg, uh, wrote the film. She got it done right before the impending writer's strike of 2007. And some things were changed, like Lauren Mallory is a character in the book. Uh, She kind of combined her and Jessica to make the character of Jessica in the film. 
We have Bella's internal dialogue kind of turn into voiceover, which I think they do a really good job of. A lot of times I feel like films with voiceover will overdo it. Mm-hmm. I think in this film, it was like just enough, like just the, the important parts. Yeah. The band of nomad vampires were introduced a lot earlier in the film. And there's like less biology class scenes in the film than in the book. And there's this whole field trip that they added. And the apple thing where Edward catches the apple and it's like, hey, it's the book cover. That doesn't happen in the book. Uh, in the book, Stephanie Meyer was like, all right, this this apple is supposed to be representative of the forbidden nature of the relationship between Bella and Edward. You know, like in the Bible, with the, the, the forbidden fruit. And Hard, Hardwick, the, the director, uh, who's also all over the behind the scenes stuff. She's like very involved with everything from like the practical effects, the, the push for practical effects, the shooting it on location, uh, making sure her actors are comfortable. She's all over it. Um, and she's like, we need to make this, this uh, scene here in the cafeteria a little bit more interesting visually. I hope we add a salad bar. Oh, the apple we could do the book cover so they did this thing where they had a fishing line tied to the apple so that edward or um, robert pattinson could catch the apple to uh do the whole book cover thing and it, it took like 13 takes at least to get it right which i thought was really cool that's a cool detail she was like i want to give, give a little little shout out to all the people who are fans of the book a little thing for them to notice and go oh they almost gave that up because they couldn't get it <laughs> Because they just were actually doing it. Like, without, they were like, yeah. trying to figure out a way to do it. It was real. And I'm so glad it was in it. Yes, it's so good. Because it's it's one of those moments that kind of like re-engages you into the film. There's always something in the film going on that's interesting. Yeah. Which I, I really appreciate. I really appreciate. Uh, how yeah, they, I love, how they, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, good. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Um, I think my AirPods just died. So let me take those out. Um, can you guys hear me? Oh yeah, I actually hear you way better. Oh really? Now. Oops. Um, the, the part where <laughs> okay. um he's wearing his sunglasses and he's like, "Well, since I'm going to hell," and then everyone is staring at them, and you just see all the extras in the background staring at them, and it just really like, you're like "Oh my god, I'm getting yeah." Oh, so good. That that part kind of reminded me of Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Spider, I knew you were gonna say that because <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Where like she he. He catches like uh, Mary Jane's food all in that tray, and that was like done yeah. practically too. And it's like when I'm watching the movie, I was thinking of that. And then in the film, her next part of dialogue is like, "What are you like? Some kind of? I feel like I should be looking for some kind of spider bite or kryptonite." I'm like, "Oh my god, she knows exactly what she's doing. This is mm-hmm. this is a master at work. <laughs> it's self aware, but it's like." Again, it worked in Sam Raimi's, right, mm-hmm. to show their ability. And Edward, this is like just a little nod of it, but it's like, it's a nod to the book cover. It's a nod to the book. It's a book. It's a co- It's like a reference to Spider-Man. It's a reference to all these different things. Plus, but less clumsy as fuck. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it's like just like exciting enough where if you saw someone do that, you'd be like, how did you do that like not a normal person can just kick an apple up into their hand yeah and like present it like that i I think it's a cool thing because i do think people will see something like that and it's like how do they do that Mm. you know like that happens in movies 
yeah. you watch it and it's like how did how did they actually do that and i think this is one of those moments where it's like oh that's super cool yeah uh, the other thing I had was special effects, but I feel like I kind of already talked about that. Uh, the one one thing that we didn't talk about very much was that fight scene at the end. Uh, a lot of special, a lot of practical special effects there. A lot of wire work, uh, like the actual destruction that the the ballet studio goes through was like all intentional. They all had to like replace parts with parts that are supposed to break and everything. It's a it's a whole thing. It took several days to do and it was actually the first thing that they did because the guy who plays the bad guy who's also the bad guy in that that mma movie never back down oh yeah (laughs) Yeah, he He was also in burlesque burlesque (laughs) i haven't seen burlesque Burlesque. well you guys haven't seen burlesque oh my god sharon christina aguilera that's awful but incredible (laughs) oh that's right that is their collaboration i that movie holy shit that that took me back a minute i remember that movie getting pushed like mm-hmm. wild i thought it was like a sequel to chicago or something like an oh it definitely has a chicago vibe it's you guys gotta watch it it's so good and james is in it uh, uh what's his name oh i just had cam it cam cam yeah i don't know how to pronounce it oh dude i feel bad i watched that documentary thing like literally two hours ago i was like oh these are also talent. These are all these people are like talented. They all got to like do their own stuff. Like he was really insistent on doing his own stunts because he had just done oh. that fighting movie. So he's like, I can still do this stuff. <laughs> Even like that that part where the vampires they walk in and crash the vampire baseball. They're like, mm-hmm. you see those guys? See those guys that look like us? They're stunt doubles that they don't need because we're so good. <laughs> <laughs> so sick. What do you have? If you have any like research part of the how they made this movie, well, I'm fantasizing. I love the um, the casting that Ooh, um, the casting. This wasn't her dream cast. She wanted Henry Cavill, but he was too old. Yeah, he's um, he's a little older. <laughs> Henry Cavill. I mean, he's obviously on paper gorgeous, but I've just never really felt anything mm-hmm. toward him. And I just don't think he would have been able to capture, even if he was younger, just the really tortured thing. I think he would bring like a little ego to it um, yeah. based on other things I've seen at Warner Rar Pants and just looks like he hates himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love that description. I totally agree. Like, and Henry Cavill looks classically handsome, like a 007. Right. Uh, yeah. But Robert Pattinson looks emo rock band leading man handsome. Yes, mm. and it's it's not that one's better than the other. It's that they just appeal to different people. They they, they have a different um, a different appeal about them. And I I love what you just said. Yeah, hundred percent. And then for Bella, um, she wanted Emily Browning. Who do you guys remember her? She was in mm-hmm. the movie The Uninvited mm-hmm. and um, Sucker Punch. She was the yeah. blonde. Okay. Yes. Um. So she wanted her for Bella, and I think I think that would have been okay. But I think she's. A little, I mean, Kristen Stewart is beautiful, but Emma Browning, Emily Browning just kind of has this look where it's like... I'm a princess. She is like a more feminine beauty. Yeah, yeah. like princess, like Disney princess feminine beauty, where I think Kristen Stewart has a little bit of that like edgier tomboy. She looks more like she would be, like she could be like a shy kind of like wanting to hide where Emily Browning's vibe is more like, like she's so pretty in a way that's yeah. like that kind of pretty that wouldn't be 
it's like how do you not know you're beautiful like with your like full lips yeah and all that, you know i think where Kristen stewart is still beautiful but it's just different yeah. yeah Kristen stewart has a more dynamic look i think like she can do the whole like dress down like oh i'm just oh, i got the hair in my face i don't know what i'm saying i'm awkward but she can also right. but like we can also believe that yeah i i can see why every guy is like into her totally well and there's that i think i think man al you're just coming in with all these words that are just perfectly encapsulating like, capturing how i feel about it right like <laughs> I think tomboy there there that I think that's a good way of describing Krista Stewart and like it's again it's not that she's not handsome or anything but there uh, Emily Browning is just a different type of pretty it's kind of like the Edward Henry Cavill Robert Pattinson it's just different different ways of different attractiveness yeah exactly and I think um Kristen and Robert are, were just the perfect cast and they had great chemistry I mean hell they mm-hmm. dated for uh, a few years yeah. So there was clearly chemistry between them off on camera and off camera. So and people and people like you, like fans of the books, totally bought into it. They're like, I want to see these people on screen. I want to see them continue on this journey. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So one of my biggest griefs with this was that Catherine Hardwick was not invited back to direct the sequel. And there's obviously different reports, different you know, at the time it was, oh, there's scheduling conflicts, right? Mm. Um, it kind of <laughs> didn't turn out that way. And there's an article that Vanity Fair put out that was 10 years after Twilight, Catherine Hardwick knows she deserved more. And it basically is talking about the process that she went through trying to get Twilight made and what happened afterwards. And, you know, you read about this woman's like struggle to make this movie because nobody really believed in it, right? Or you had people who believed in it, but executives didn't. And they were putting up a bunch of reasons as to why. Oh, t- werewolf movies don't succeed. You know. Um, oh, yeah, but it's too girly. We need jet skis and we need shotguns. And we need, <laughs> you know, we need all this shit to, to make this movie work. And Catherine was very much like, no, that you, you don't get the appeal. I get the appeal. And the reason she was able to make the movie she did was because there was little oversight because nobody believed in it. Right. Which is very strange. If I'm giving someone 30 something million dollars to make something. I'm going to keep an eye on them. But apparently (laughs) the studio was like, we don't give a shit. This maybe we'll make some money. Maybe. Wow. You had a good group of people that were making the movie that cared. You had the one producer who was who worked at Paramount. You had the executive who worked at Paramount. I forget her name, but she she became a producer for Twilight because she believed in the project. They brought in Catherine Hardwick. She liked it. She invited Stephanie Meyer out. So you had a core group of people that believed in the project so much, saw the appeal of it. And this movie blows up and it's one of the biggest things on the planet. And Catherine was not invited back. And, you know, they people speculate. But we know why. Like, deep down, we know why. Because it's profitable. We can make some money off of this. So move away, woman. Let the let the top let, dogs let come the in. Men, let the men handle this, honey. I, I, <laughs> now, again, I haven't... Look, maybe that's not the case. Maybe there was a good reason for why they didn't bring Catherine back. But she's confused as to why they didn't. Right? Other people are confused. And, and, and you look at the directors that did the next one. Chris White's. Is that for a new moon? For new moon, yeah. 
and then you had uh David Slade for Eclipse, and then you had um Eclipse I like New Moon garbage. I I did not like New Moon at all. I I have not seen Eclipse. New Moon turned me off from the entire from the entire franchise. I watch Eclipse. Eclipse is good. Twilight's the best one, but Eclipse is better than New Moon. Oh, Twilight is definitely the best one. Um, like, uh, uh, what well, I can't say out of the two I've seen, Twilight is the better <laughs> one. But from what I've seen in the in the other ones, it just kind of turned me off a little bit. Bill Condon was the guy that did Breaking Dawn Part One and Part Two. Um, and so and look again, I I. <laughs> I do understand some people saying, well, everything is sexist or everything is racist, right? And it's like, sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes someone's just an asshole, regardless of their race and gender, and people don't want to work with them. Right. But this is the this is the one time where it's like, look, the cast loved her. She was very hands-on. She wasn't problematic. She turned in the fucking movie on time and on budget. She had a clear vision. People liked working with her. You have the author of the book saying, I liked working with her. So why why not bring her back for a second one? Like it, it in the that was the assumption that Catherine was was working off of that if this one does well, I'll come back and do the second one. And they didn't invite her. I recommend you guys reading the article. We'll probably put it next to the, the description of the episode. Ten years after Twilight, Catherine Hardwick knows she deserved more. And they talk about it, and it's like she got shafted. She totally did. Like there's even Harry Potter one. They brought back um, Chris Columbus for Chris the second Columbus. one, and they obviously would switch later on. Um, but it just it just doesn't make sense. And then you look at the reception for New Moon, and none of the the reception for the pre- next films were even as good as Twilight. I do think potentially they lost some of the people that understood the source material as well as as that core team, you know, but I think the, the people in charge just kind of took things in a different direction. We talked about that. The, the visual language is gone. The movie's got a little bit more stale. Yeah. Stale. Great word. Cause they just feel like there's no soul to them really anymore. It just feels like, all right, let's just hit the marks, make the movie, mm. have the lines, have the cast done where there's just a mood and emotion in the first one. And yeah, the others, they just feel like blockbuster movies where Twilight felt like a film. Yes, they felt like blockbuster movies, yeah. which obviously that's kind of in the direction the franchise was headed with this big war and all this and that. But I'm like, you, I feel like Catherine or even someone Catherine adjacent would have probably understood how to probably ramp up to that a little bit more. We lost someone who really was, who was, who really knew what they were doing. And we just. I know. And I think women should direct women projects. Like if it's four teen girls, let a woman direct it because she was a teen girl. Mm. I, you know, I just think it, it makes such a difference. There is something inherent about a, like a specific person making a film about their partic- that particular background like if you're black you're probably gonna go about making a film with a black cast or black lead very differently than a white person now i think like a white person can direct a movie with a black cast sure it, you know men can direct women in a women like sure that's nobody's saying you can't 
But I, I love this quote from Denzel Washington because he talks about, because they asked him this question and he says, it's not about race or gender. It's about culture. It's about that inherent thing, right? And he's like, could a white director not have it's not color, it's culture. S explain the difference, because I think we're, we're Steven in a space Spielberg right now. did Schindler's List. Mm -hmm. Martin Scorsese did Goodfellas, right? Steven Spielberg could direct Goodfellas. Martin Scorsese probably could have done a good job with Schindler's List, but there are cultural differences. You know, I know, you know, we all know what it is when a hot comb hits your hair on a Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. What it smells like. Huh? That's a cultural difference not just the color difference right. so it's the culture those men are going to go about those stories with a certain intuition with a certain knowledge of the culture and that's what i think Catherine brought she brought that little pizzazz and if you take her out and don't find a, a decent replacement you lose that and that's what i think the next films lack they lack that pizzazz they lack that knowledge of the culture understanding and yes and i think it goes to what you're mm -hmm. saying it's like and i think it goes to what you're saying it's like i was never a teen girl <laughs> so having someone like me direct like a movie about a teen girl it's like it doesn't really make that much sense you know yeah it does it's not coming from from a real place it's coming from like what you think that experience is like whereas Catherine is like no i remember what this was yes. like and because of that we can watch it and like, at least I can feel like I un I kind of understand what it's like to be a teen girl mm -hmm. for for the, the two hours of this film. Like, I feel like I I get it. You guys need to watch 13. Um, it has a similar color palette to Twilight, actually, too. And it's about two teen girls. And she actually wrote it with a teen girl. Um, and it's you just totally understand why she was perfect for Twilight. We'll add it to the list. We have a, a part a channel in our discord for movie suggestions. I want to add that. No, but I, I think you're absolutely right. And again, obviously there are exceptions. Like, you know, uh, there was a guy that directed mean girls and that movie still slaps. So clearly like, it's not always going to be one for one, but you need someone who just gets it. If you're just bringing in someone as like a workman type of director, you lose that essence. And if you bring someone who doesn't give a shit about the source material, that's how you get the earlier scripts of this movie where you've got jet skis and guns and all. It's like, what the fuck are you even doing, bro? Like, this is beyond stupid. Right. Yeah, it just felt like there wasn't um, heart in New Moon. There wasn't the moodiness. It was chips. It was junk food, you know? Yeah, and you have little golden moments, mm. little nuggets that I'm like, okay, this fight scene is cool. This shot of the seasons passing as Bella is sitting on her chair lonely. That that's really nice and beautiful, but you the I mean again a movie isn't just about a few moments; it's about the entire fucking thing. It's the through line, and and Catherine understood that through line, but the studio didn't really care about having that same care for Twilight because again it was a girl thing. It's ah fuck it, it's vampires and chicks. Yeah, like, whatever. Just they'll watch it. Whatever. They'll watch it. Yeah, they'll watch it. They they they'll watch it. <laughs> Clearly, they love the first one. So and to that point, like. Because there's a lot of there's not a lot of media for women or even little girls, like they they're they're like I'm, I want this this isn't it this is like I get one thing I get one fucking thing you goddamn right I'm gonna watch this fucking movie even if I don't like it it's like it's like I'm watching. <laughs> right 
You know, like I said in the beginning, I was eating good. I got my co- I got my R comedies. Yeah. I've got my my Marvel, my DC. I got my Speed Racer. How do you think I felt? I was in middle school. All the guys have all this stuff. I finally get one thing, and I'm like, I love this. And all the guys are like, that's stupid. I'm like, hey. (laughs) It's it's insane. Yeah. And again, it's patriarchy. It's it's patriarchy. Mm -hmm. It's prepubescent boys just being stupid and dumb. And and hopefully the hope is that you grow out of it. But, it you know, some people don't. A lot some don't. people don't. Some people made hating Twilight their whole I personality, <laughs> which is wild, too, because, look, even I admit it. Go go listen to our Legally Blonde episode. I was like, I don't want shit that's got pink in it because that's for girls. I, I very much. So that was the mentality. And even I was like, mm. dude, why do I give a shit about Twilight? It's. It's not for me. I'm eating good. Mm. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. I just, so I think, again, it's, there's not a lot of real, um, like, documented reports as to why Catherine wasn't brought on, or at least I haven't seen any. It's a lot of he, sh- that he said, she said, nobody says, this person didn't say anything, but it's, it does feel like it was a, I think it was just classic sexism. I think it was just straight up like, all right, honey, we'll take care of it now. And it's like. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what happened. Like, all right, we mm-hmm. got to give put a man in charge now. We're going to the big leagues. <laughs> You're asking yeah. for how much? Wait, wait. You want to get paid how, how much? much? I didn't even think about, about it. That? It's like that wasn't man, even that I'm long ago. You, you're you're being a little mouthy right now. You know what? I don't like how you're talking to me right now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, shut <laughs> your mouth. Jesus you Christ! Be grateful that you got hired in the first place. That that's what reading that article yeah. and reading the behind the scenes. That's what it screams like to me, at least. It's it doesn't sure. seem like seem like they were they. It was a genuine. It was a conscious decision to not bring her on. I don't think she really got her flowers. No. And no. Twilight is beautiful. Like, if you just just look at the mm-hmm. stills, it's a beautiful movie. The colors. Uh, yeah, she should get more flowers for that. Yeah. I feel like there's not, like, one scene or one shot from the film that you can, like, show somebody who, who's seen it. It's recognizable. Any still from mm-hmm. the film is recognizable. It's like, oh, yeah, that's Twilight. And that's iconic. Yeah. That's what it, that's what everybody wants. They want something that is like mm-hmm. them, you know. Like this is my vision. I worked all these people. Yeah, it's it's it was very. very I'm so glad that we did this movie. I'm so glad that we had you on to talk about it because I feel like you you offer a unique perspective to to this. Yeah. Oh, this thank you. This is my favorite thing to talk about. So thank you so much for inviting me in. Thanks for being here. So, unless there's something else you want to talk about, do we want to go to our quotes? Ooh, yeah. Okay, so this is the part of the episode where, in lieu of a five-star system, we talk about how we feel about a movie with a quote from the movie. It can be our favorite quote, it can be a quote that made us laugh, or it can be a quote that summarizes the conversation that we just had. George usually goes first. George usually breaks the rules. But since we have a guest... Would you like to go first or would you like to go last? I'll go Elle. last. Honestly, perfect. It, it, George, I think it's perfectly suited for Elle is... to go last. You got to hit him with the with the with the with the fans mm-hmm. quote. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I do have two quotes, and one of them is I just could not <laughs> stop laughing. It's literally from the scene. Both uh-huh. of my quotes are from the scene uh, in the woods with Edward and, and Bella, where she reveals to him, or he reveals to her that he's a vampire. the The funny quote was, "You're like my own personal brand of heroin." I love it. <laughs> it's descriptive. I get it. But uh-huh. man, I was laughing. I was like, oh, "But I, I get it. I couldn't help laugh." And uh, I do love, um, I love this quote because of the interaction between Bella and Edward, but also how I feel about it. It's, uh, and so the lion fell in love with the lamb. What a stupid lamb. What a sick, masochistic lion. And in a weird way, it's kind of how I feel about this movie. It's like, what? I, I don't know. I just, I love you. I Maybe I shouldn't because society tells me I shouldn't, but I'm like... <laughs> Man, I love you. I love you, Twilight. This is awesome. I love this movie. It's great, and I I love I love that interaction. I love that whole scene in general, and it both of those quotes kind uh-huh. of um kind of correlate to how I feel about the movie. You're, you're my you're like my little brand of heroin. Just to put you to slide, Twilight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but one funny thing about that lion and lamb quote is that it is a quote that's significant in the book. And Stephanie Meyer actually liked the way that the screenwriter changed it for the film. But she was like, you know, it's one of those quotes that's like really important. So you can't change it. But I actually like what you did better. Oh. So I guess we'll never know what that quote actually was in the film, in the screen Ooh. screenplay. Because they got the one from the book. Those are good quotes. Those are very Twilight quotes. Um, mine is is not like. I think mine's more significant to me. Because uh, I hadn't really seen this movie before. I just knew about it. I knew about people who didn't like it, but I knew a lot of people loved it. And I was very curious to see this film and to put to context all the things that I had heard about it. And I was really excited for Vampire Baseball. Um, so my quote is, is when Edward is telling Bella, there's a thunderstorm coming. It's the only time we can play. You'll see why. Um, cause he's like, he's trying to get her excited for the game and stuff, but also the audience is excited to see them do this thing. But, uh, you really do have to see this movie to see why it's so special to people and to see why, uh, it's, it's so entertaining. And there's a, a lot of, you use the word mastery. I think George, there's a lot of mastery in the, in this film, uh, the, visually the musical cues it captures that mood like you were talking about l like this is something that i feel like is culturally significant i think they should add it to the the library of things that are culturally significant uh it's it's great and i think everybody should watch it at least once yeah yes i had another quote but it's not really a line it's just when rosalie breaks the bowl the glass bowl (laughs) with yeah. Oh my God! It had me. It had me dying. The the context is they bring Bella over for dinner, but Bella had already eaten. And when Rosalie finds out, she just breaks the bowl. Oh, I lo- I love it. I love how specific these characters are. Like you get the idea of who everybody is within like five seconds yes. of seeing them. Like there's no way you can get anybody confused. Anybody confused with anybody else. Just one example of, of like the mastery of filmmaking that um, Catherine Hardwick has. Because mm-hmm. even Jasper, he has like two lines and you're like, okay, this guy's like a weirdo. He's yes. like struggling the most. Yeah. 
Uh, well, he's, he's like, I don't know if I can control my my hunger and or something. And then when they like walk away, Edward's like rolling his eyes, like, God, like, you're embarrassing me. I love I love when they <laughs> act like teenagers too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I also I have two. So I also chose you're like my own personal brand of heroin because if I could mainline <laughs> this movie into my veins. I would. Um, that's why I chose that one. <laughs> Um, I feel like I already have. Okay, and then here's my other favorite one. Um, about three things, I was absolutely positive. First, oh. Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I don't know how dominant that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was <laughs> unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Are you kidding? The drama of that sentence. Like, <laughs> one, two, three, honey. And then the use of the word irrevocably. I didn't know what that word meant until I saw yeah. this movie. And I was like, what? You, you know, you know, things are never going to be the same after someone uses that word. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So good. It's it captures that that voice so well. Like you can you can like fold your arms and be like, Psh, that's a silly thing to say. But like, dude, that is something a teenager would write 100%. in their diner diary. 100%. It's so dramatic, and that's yeah. teenagers are dramatic. <laughs> oh yeah, I love it. This is great, great experience, great conversation. I, I had a blast. Yeah, thanks for coming on, L. I totally appreciate having you on, and I think you added a lot of insight into this episode. There's like some stuff that mm -hmm. I haven't even thought about that I'm like, you know what? I got to go back and check that out again, again. Mm -hmm. Oh, same with you guys. Yeah. I've learned so much. I mean, I already feel like I there's so many times where I learn more and more about the movie, and what you guys were saying was just so profound and smart, and I really appreciate it. Um. So that was our episode on Twilight. Uh, if you were a fan of Elle, which you should be, uh, she's on Instagram. She makes a lot of funny reels and stuff. Uh, Elle Vegas. L like E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. Vegas like Las Vegas. All one word. Are you Are you you're still acting, yeah, right? Yeah, it's complicated. Uh, I'm, I'm figuring it out. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard out there for God knows for the entertainment industry has been, has had a crazy past year. I know. Yeah. You can uh, follow us on Instagram as well, at retrograde underscore pod. We're on Twitter, but I don't really use the retrograde Twitter much, uh, at retrograde underscore pod there as well. We're on TikTok. I think it's at retrograde underscore pod there as well. Let me double check. It's been a while since we added anything. We like to do video content, so you'll see like little trailers for our podcast episodes there oh damn 21 notifications let's go all right <laughs> um we also have a discord where we can like talk about movies and video games and stuff there you'll get updates when we update to our patreon or to our mainline series uh but we're picky about letting people in we don't want any any uh, nomadic vampires to come in and like track our use our uh, listeners and hunt them for sport. So DM us and we'll make sure you're you're human or like a vegetarian vampire that won't come to get us. Um, well, yeah, that's it for our episode. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Hopefully, this episode came out on Valentine's Day. That means uh, I had enough free time to edit. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Um, but yeah, that's it for episode. Uh, we'll have another one out in two weeks, and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.